This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Happy Friday. It's Friday. For some of you, it's the last day of the work week. For others, it just reminds you that other people get a day off that you don't get. Tomorrow, you get to start again. Some of you have to work on the weekend. Some of you just get to go, you know, shovel your walks. It's snowing here. That was an interesting uh, little drive. Uh, I've learned driving in the snow, you just got to keep your car moving. So I wonder if stop signs are actually necessary in a snowstorm. Yes. Because the minute I stop, we're stopped for a really long time. Nobody's moving because I can't get my car to move after that. In fact, I stopped. I, I, I tried to roll through stop signs today until I couldn't because the car was coming, and then I ended up stopping and was stuck. Huh. Did you get out and push? No. I just oh. kept forward, backward, drive, reverse, <laughs> drive, reverse. Two hours later, made it to work. Hey, uh, great uh, show today. Um, you may have heard something about guns going on. Yeah, there's quite a bit of gun-related news. What did you watch? Did you watch no. the town hall? No, I watched part of it. I saw some clips yeah. this morning. It's it's interesting. We're very polarized on this subject. You know, it seems like it. If we could have just had the NRA there, yeah, that would have been the beginning of something very special. Could have, but they they or another mass shooting. NRA is convinced that was a White House setup. That whole presentation sure. was a White House. CNN insists that they they're the ones that brought up the idea, and then the White House agreed to it. Well, and so the, it seems like you could have you could start having a discussion. Yeah. I, I e- think either way, was, it, it doesn't matter. They could have had a discussion, but right. they, they chose to skip it. You know, one of the things that I I did like about it is that he just took questions from people. And it seems like that is the way you just make this very public. He's the most powerful man in the world. In the audience were uh, owners of gun shops that are affected by the new legislation, people that have uh, died or had family members die because of gun violence. The sniper, American sniper woman's husband, what was her name? Um, She was there. And so people against and for and confused by – I mean it was a whole range of people at the – And it the, seems like a lot of the conversation was about we've made this an incredibly passionate argument that's hit the extremes that I'm not here to take your guns away. Yeah. Period. <laughs> we think, don't want your guns. We do want to uh, stop the crazy senseless shootings. Uh, the president brought up the point that if he was planning on doing that, he's been in office for, what, seven years now? Yeah. At w- what point is he going to start doing this? Because that would right. be kind of involved, and he's got now less than a year left in office. So Yeah. But I, what I do <laughs> well, like, and he, I mean, it seems like to me, if he's the most powerful man in the world, and the NRA is the most powerful entity on earth, we keep hearing. Well, when it comes to gun legislation in this well, country, yeah, yes. they, they say that behind every politician in the United States is the NRA or not the NRA. And right, so, right after power. the town hall meeting ended, 
NRA put up a petition so that people could sign up so they could send a message to their representative that if they side with Obama, that their votes will be in question right. or something like that. So what we ought so to do— So again, more threats to politics. So let's demand 10 more of these town halls with the NRA in the room. They won't be there. And the president in the room. It doesn't work with— And then let's have all the cameras on there, and then let's yeah. just hear the arguments. Not the extreme arguments, but just the arguments. Yeah. Man, it's never going to happen. No. So it, do, it doesn't work for everyone's narratives of how no. they're trying And you to... need to keep it undercover, right? You need yeah. to have it. It can't be open and exposed to just broad daylight. We have to keep it kind of under the rock, eating the mold and grime. Yeah. Politicians. Sad. But I, I kind of – I mean, I did. I liked it. I, he's trying. And then <laughs> Trump went off on gun-free zones. Did yeah. you hear about all that? Yes. He, that's one of his topics he likes to – to be out there with. and it, Actually, I found that it comes from a study in 1996 that's been debunked by quite a few oh, has it? Yeah. But Well, here's, here's the thing. Remember, he called Hillary out. Yes. Look, if guns are so bad, then just have your security officers get rid of their guns. But I'm going to bet Trump's meetings, his, uh, his what are they called, political gatherings. His rallies, yeah. His rallies. Like you had one last night. I'm going to bet yeah. everybody has to go through security. They do. And I bet they have to leave a gun if they have a gun. I they don't probably know, don't. I don't know that. Well, then here's the test. Hillary, you have your security. Get rid of all their guns. Donald, you allow everybody with a gun in your meeting. Okay. Yeah, I bet you he probably doesn't do that. Let's just have let's have everybody in the room so, well, with a gun. Seeing that now he has Secret Service protection. Yeah, weird. You could guess that there's probably it's probably not happening. Not happening. <laughs> but so that would actually make Trump's rallies a gun-free zone. His rally last night. Yeah was in a 1,400-seat theater, and they sold something like maybe 10,000 tickets or gave away. Oh, wow. I mean, the ticket, it was, it was well over capacity. Oh. 10,000 yeah. sounds like a lot, but I think it's somewhere around there. And they asked the, uh, what was it, NBC News asked the local police, what would you have done if this was, say, a concert? And the guy said, we would close the venue. Because they have oversold, and that's going to cause problems. But Trump does it because it's a, a political rally. They had to kind yeah. of let it go. And how many concerts have had a, a like a like a trampling of people? You know, one person yeah. gets falls, and then and they I all don't run. Over I didn't see any, any reports of no. problems, but he just well like oversold just to say, look, this well, they're right. free tickets; they're right. not sold. But he gave away all these tickets, and he just wanted to do it in Vermont. And apparently it was like 160 steps away from Bernie Sanders' headquarters is where he did it. Because <laughs> the reporter walked around the corner down yeah. the block and stopped him. Atta boy. Place. You just upstaged Bernie, the yeah, the second candidate in the Democratic race. Um, so, again, all the rhetoric, It's you can tell it's extreme because if you just flip the coin like Donald, let everybody around you have guns at your next rally – so that when because he, he had people he had to kick out of his rally, yeah, he's like get them out of here and and confiscate their coats. Yeah, he goes throw them out. Don't give them their coat. <laughs> it sounds like he's the king. Yeah, well he is. Take behead them. <laughs> um, anyway, it's crazy. But today we got a great guest coming up. Uh, Todd Weiler is going to be joining us. You know, you probably you may not have heard of him nationally, uh, but in Utah he has proposed a, a very I think interesting. He's a representative from uh, Woods Cross, Utah. Yeah, he's in the Utah State Senate. Oh, the Senate, sorry. And he's he's proposed something, uh, um, a really interesting gun 
safety program where eighth graders in 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 uh, middle school will have a class on guns. Not like to learn how to use them and to break them down and to you know clean your gun, but how to handle a gun if you come across a gun. What are you supposed to do with it? And if there's a mass shooting incident, how do you handle that? So I wanted to talk to him because here we are on a local level now starting to make decisions about how to handle guns. And uh, I think there's not going to be one answer to this gun issue. The president's going to propose his. NRA will, I guess, fight it or propose their own. And locally, state state leaders are trying to teach and, and help as well. So we'll be talking to uh, to him as well in just a few minutes. But before we get to uh, Senator Todd Weiler, let's get to the headlines with Terry. Terry, what's going on around the world? Thanks, Matt. As we've been talking about, President Obama spoke out against the NRA at on Thursday for its absence at a nationally televised town hall meeting on gun violence hosted by CNN. He said, there's a reason why the NRA is not here. He goes, they're just down the street. And since this is the main reason they exist, you'd think they'd be prepared to have a debate with the president. Obama said the NRA NRA officials have declined numerous invitations to strike up a dialogue. The president, who announced a series of executive actions on gun laws this week, also said he appeared at the town hall because his advocacy for gun control measures is consistently mischaracterized by pro-gun advocates like the NRA. If you listen to the rhetoric, it's so over the top, so overheated, he said, referring to critics of his plan who claim his policies aim to take away everybody's guns. That's so why just, we need it public. Just make it public. Just go public. In other news, the U.S. added 292,000 jobs last month, and the unemployment rate remained unchanged at 5%. The Labor Department announced this morning most economists had forecast gains of 200,000 jobs and an unchanged unemployment rate. So it's a little above predictions, hmm. but still the same. Donald Trump took to the stage around the same time President Obama was having the uh, town hall meeting. Donald Trump takes to the stage in uh, a rally in Burlington, Vermont, the same time that the Trump campaign distributed 20,000 tickets. So I was undercutting it there. So wow. So 20,000. It's a 1,400-seat venue, and they, they distributed 20,000 tickets. Well, didn't he just lose, like, I don't know, 18,000 votes? Oh. Apparently, if people were mad outside the I don't know if they turned people away yeah, or how that worked. But if, okay. A man from the crowd shouted something about uh, the wall. Yeah. And presumably referring to the now famous proposed wall that Donald Trump intends to build between the United States and Mexico. Then this happened. And wait, wait, wait a minute. And who's going to pay for the wall? Who's going to pay for the wall? Who's going to pay for the wall? I've never done that before. That's actually true. Mexico. <laughs> oh, man. Kind of fun. According to the report, the Trump rally was interrupted by hecklers four times. Really? See? One, one of those we saw where he asked him, don't give him his coat. So, again, Donald, you want you want to fight against gun-free zones? Then don't make your rallies gun-free. I mean, imagine if you have people that are trying to – fight against Donald Trump and they're in yeah. a room and they have the ability to have a gun and everyone else in the room has a gun that would be the that would be the bar fight yeah. with the bikers it would <laughs> be a little crazy it's crazy federal authorities have arrested two Iraqi refugees in California and Texas on terror related offenses according to a criminal complaint unsealed on Thursday both men 
are in their 20s, Palestinian-born in Iraq, who came to the United States as refugees. Authorities say the arrests do not appear to be directly related, but the cases have several similarities. Both men were charged with lying to authorities about alleged connections to terrorist organizations. One of the arrested men came to the U.S. in 2012, was arrested in Sacramento, reportedly used social media to talk about his intention to return to Syria. So he didn't actually go. He just talked about it on, say, like Facebook. Yeah. The other guy, he arrived in 2009, was granted a permanent residency in 2011, was also charged in Houston with attempting to provide material support to ISIS and procurement of citizenship or naturalization unlawfully. They both, on applications to to become, to enter the country, they both falsified information. Hmm. Wow. So Here we go. They were arrested. And- so people are drawing attention saying, now we're letting refugees in and now they're terrorists. Well, we're jumping to a conclusion that yeah. they're terrorists. They're saying things on, on social media. We all say things on social well, and, media. And a lot of people lie to get into the country. And lots of people and they're lie. they're not terrorists. So we got to wait and see what the connections are and if this is something there. Um, have you heard the concept that everything's bigger in Texas? Yes. I've spent some time in Texas. You live there. It was kind of was annoying. It, was it was it bigger than you thought? Well, no, I just it was something people said a lot, and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. But I mean, big big hats, big cars is bigger, better. Sometimes it was just big for no reason to be big. My it's doctor says it's not okay. <laughs> There's a domed stadium in Frisco, Texas. Okay, it's for a high school football. Oh wow! Eight teams will play there. Eight per- teams are sharing one in dome. the Frisco area. There are eight teams. Eight high schools that will play in this domed stadium. Wow. I'll give you some. Did you have a domed stadium at your high school? We didn't have a dome. There you go. We we barely had a football field sometimes. <laughs> um, a lot of times it was a mud pit. Uh, the, the head coach at Frisco Lone Star High School says it's going to be insane for kids to play there. The school district athletic director described it as something no kid would ever imagine playing in. It's not a surprise, of course, with Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones involved. There was no question that the 12,000-seat stadium. What? At the Cowboys' new Frisco headquarters will be spectacular. The Dome Stadium, named the Ford Center, which is part of a $1 billion development that will include practice fields for the Dallas Cowboys NFL team, a high-end hotel, a sports medicine center, and office space. It's a huge industrial park and this massive stadium's in the center of it. Often described as a smaller version of the Cowboys' AT&T Stadium, which is in itself huge. The Ford Center price tag now more than $255 million. The Frisco ISD will, or, uh, the school district will pay $30 million. The city of Frisco is going to pay $60 million Wow! into this. There won't be a video board hanging from the roof in the Dallas Cowboys NFL Stadium. It's like one of the biggest video yeah. boards in the world. But this place is only going to have a 57-foot-wide video screen for high school football. Oh, that's sad for them. Yeah. How are they going to get by with a 57-foot screen? Holy cow. That's so crazy. A 12,000-seat domed stadium, mm-hmm. and they'll have eight high schools, possibly nine. I wonder what their, I wonder what their library looks like. It better be awesome. <laughs> Do they have any books in their library? I don't know. Another city in Texas a few years ago built a massive stadium. To be yeah. shared by several schools. And after they got it built, they spent all this money, and then the foundation was cracked. Oh, no. So they had to condemn it. <laughs> Tragic. Well, isn't that ah? Oh, but football's big in Texas. Everything's bigger there. Everything, even their dome football stadiums. At least eight schools will be sharing it. Yeah, I, I would like to go see just what the library looks like. Huh. 
Well, what do you do, kids? Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Utah State Senator Todd Weiler will be joining us. After uh, the um, town hall with President Obama, I thought, wow, okay, great. Attacking the gun issue on the national level. Let's go see what the states are doing. We're going to show you um, one program that he's proposing that uh, is to educate eighth graders on firearm safety. Maybe it might help if our kids were more informed about what to do when they find a gun. I mean, how many times have you heard a story of a child shooting another child accidentally? Accidental shootings. There's a lot of different problems going on when it comes to guns, right? We'll be talking about one with uh, State Senator Todd Weiler up next. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, with uh, President Obama's town hall meeting last night on guns, you see how divisive and how how difficult it is to actually create any solutions around any type of gun legislation, even just background checks that seem so accepted by the rest of the population. So finding answers, it's difficult. And it may not actually even be as easily remedied or or, um, enabled on a national level, but maybe on a more local or local political level, it might be. So with the, you know, in 2015, we had an increase in mass shootings, tragedies like San Bernardino, the attack at Planned Parenthood, Charleston and Paris. It's, it's got people struggling and not to mention all of the school shootings you hear about. Um, so today joining us is Utah State Senator Todd Weiler, who in the Utah State Senate is sponsoring a bill that, if passed, would educate eighth graders on firearm safety and shooter scenarios. Firearm safety, what to do when they come across a gun and what not to do. Um, and uh, the senator joins us now to help kind of walk us through uh, what he sees is is the, some of the gun safety kind of issues on a local level, and we're so glad to have him. State Senator, Utah State Senator Todd Weiler, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks, Matt. And uh, I don't know how many of your listeners know that you come up usually during our legislative session each yeah. February and talk to our spouses and tell them how we can be better husbands and wives. That's right. <laughs> we we try to save your the sanity of your wives while you guys yeah, are working no, so hard. They, they love you. I know my my wife particularly. Uh, enjoys your sense of humor and your oh, advice. thank you. I so, I'm honored to do that. I love doing that, and um, I I it's that's why I feel close to what you're doing. And I yours is such an interesting proposal, Todd. You out of all things you could have proposed, you've proposed firearm safety and uh, shooter scenarios for eighth grade students. Talk about talk about your reasoning, your thinking behind that. Yeah, well, um, the idea is, I mean, we know that their guns are legal despite our yeah. executive orders, and we know that people have guns. And um, I hope that every parent um, who has a gun in the home is talking to their children about guns. I, I hope that's the case. I, I know it's not, but I hope that's the case. I'm more concerned about the children of parents who don't have guns in the home because by the time they're 12 or 13 or 14, they're going to be visiting their friends' homes, and they may encounter a gun in a drawer 
or in the garage or just laying out. And, and hopefully adults are not that irresponsible, but some of them are. Um, and, and, and their initial, most of them are curious. Their initial gut instinct is to pick up that weapon. And what the training would do, it would be opt-in by the, by the school and by the parents. It's not going to be mandated on anybody. There would be no guns in the classroom unless a police officer, you know, was armed. But what the training would do would be basically teach the children, like we do in Red Ribbon Week here in Utah, about if they see drugs or if they're offered drugs, to make them think about what they would do before they actually encounter that situation. And the training would basically be stop, don't touch, and call for help with mm-hmm. an adult. And, and that, that's the essential uh, basics of training. But every year in Utah, we have two or three children pick up guns and right. shoot a parent or, or a neighbor or a sibling or a friend, you know, usually by accident and usually out of curiosity. And so the eighth grade part, we want to focus on 12 to 14. I, I may actually lower that in the bill. Um, but th- that's the gist of the bill. I, and I, and it's so, it is necessary. In fact, we are going to have um, Todd uh, – uh, Schlappy on our show, uh, or sorry, Mike Schlappy on our show in a few weeks, and Mike is a Mike was actually shot as a teen by his best friend, whose father was a police officer, and it was one wow. of those things they were just kind of playing around with the gun, um, and, and it's an interesting point, Todd, that this might be more dangerous for the kids who come from families that don't have guns, yes, because absolutely. yeah, because there's there's a fear factor, but there's also a curiosity factor, yes. So, so in in your legislation, you're just proposing training. It's not like you're going to have guns in the room, and they're not going to be learning how to handle a gun. But mainly, see when you see it, stop, don't touch it, kind of step away, go get help. But you're yeah. also we're going to work on, um, you know, kind of a, a, a shooter scenario safety. Yes. Talk about yeah, that. So a second part of the bill, and unfortunately, we, we unfortunately uh, mass shootings are on the increase. And some people, you know, their reaction is we should ban all guns or you know change the laws. And quite, quite frankly, most of those guns, unfortunately, have been obtained legally. But we, fortunately, we have not had a mass shooting incident in a Utah school yet, and I yeah. hope we never do. Um, but uh, I think teachers and students ought to be discussing what what would they do if that happened, and and some. Some people have the correct instincts and others don't. And again, I think all of us, whether it's guns or or drugs or anything, we do better if we have a chance to think, what would I do if I was faced with this situation? And so one of the optional, and this is not the main thrust of the bill. In fact, I ran this bill at the end of the session last year and it passed the Senate, but we ran out of time in the House. And I added that this year, but it, it would give, again, the school if they opted in, and the parent, if they opted in their student, it, it, we have a, our governor's office has a, a risk management training office that already has training developed for what to do in a mass shooter situation. Uh-huh. So we, we want to make that available to schools if they want to use it. Because it, it does get complicated. And then if you remember the mass shooting at the, uh, the, the college, up the tech college up in uh, Oregon, there was yeah. all of this, the, the comments about, well, you know, somebody should have tackled the guy or yeah. and there's so much there's so many different complicated issues going on in a, a live shooter scenario that yeah. but the pros do have some pretty powerful insight that yeah. that all of us actually all of us should learn about. Yeah, and the main thrust of this bill is, is it provides some funding. So if the schools want to bring in an outside expert, they would have some funds available to do that. Because right now in Utah, 
our schools are so strapped that they don't have extra money to start throwing out to third party right. gen experts and things like that. Um, again, we're talking with uh, Utah State Senator Todd Weiler about his uh, new proposal um, for a bill that, if passed, would educate eighth graders on firearm safety. And what I'm thinking, Todd, let's do this. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Sure. And I'd love to talk to you about what the pressures you feel on a local level, a state level, um, from the NRA, from your followers that are gun holders and and, and gun users from um, other constituencies. I want to just talk about what's what is it like to even propose a gun bill? Do you get a lot of backlash and um, what's the kind of political pressure that you feel? We'll come back more with Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. Just a local solution on one of the many, many, many issues around gun gun issues. So stick with us, folks. More when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. With more coverage of BYU sports than anyone else, we're now giving you more ways to listen than anyone else. Tune in to Sirius XM Channel 143. Stream us live at BYURadio.org or take us wherever you go with our new Droid and iOS mobile apps. And keep up to date with all things sports by following us on Twitter at BYU Radio. Bleeding Blue has never been so easy. Follow the Cougars on BYU Radio. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we are uh, following up on uh, President Obama's town hall meeting on guns. And uh, honestly, whatever your political persuasion, I just like the fact that there's a public conversation that you can see on television about the topic. And President Obama you know, answered questions. I thought it would have been really powerful if the NRA had been there. I think it would be even more powerful if they would commit to openly have discussions and um, and and at least try to understand each other's positions in in a public setting, so that so that it's not just all hidden behind closed doors. President Obama was always saying, uh, "You keep you keep you know." You keep demonizing my position that I'm here to go eventually take away all of your guns. And in seven years of doing this, I haven't tried to take away your guns. But there's the other side of this where, you know, people find their gun to be their basic core of safety. It's the it's the final wall, they might believe, between tyranny and somebody taking over or 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 protection in fact even president obama said that uh mrs obama said if i lived in the middle of the country and had a farm and i was just right off the highway and people would come in and could just drive up to my property off the highway and the sheriff's department or minutes away uh i'd want a gun and he agreed that makes sense that's safe that makes sense so i think we might be able to find some agreement I I thought that's interesting, and I wanted to start opening up more of a dialogue. So we've asked uh, Utah State Senator Todd Weiler to join us, and uh, Todd is um, from Utah's 23rd Senate District. 
He also has proposed some legislation that if passed, it's a bill that would educate eighth graders, maybe younger, depending on how the bill goes, on firearm safety. So if they happen to come across a gun, what they should do. And also on um, what to do in a live kind of shooter scenario. So we appreciate uh, State Senator Todd Weiler being back with us. Senator Weiler, thanks again. Oh, my pleasure. It really, it's, it, is it an interesting position? I mean, of all the legislation you've proposed, it seems like you, you went right for guns. And you, you went for a nice, like easy, not easy, but kids and guns that shouldn't be harmed. And But it, what's it like being a legislator talking about a gun issue? Did you get a lot of backlash? Do you have a lot of... No, in fact, um, most people want to know two things about my bill. Are you going to force this on, on schools or are you going to force it on, on students? And the answer is no, it's all opt-in. And number two, are you going to bring live weapons into the classroom and the kids are going to be touching guns? And no, no. I mean, that, that's just... Yeah. So when people find out the answers to those two questions, almost unanimously, people support. Some I've had... <laughs> several Facebook conversations and some political groups um, in Utah primarily. And this has been on Fox News nationally, and yeah. they've had over 3,000 comments. But most of the people on Facebook are saying, well, you're not going far enough. Of course. Um, and, you know, we get some, you know, activists on Facebook and things, and that's fine. But, you know, some we, we need to arm every teacher is one reason right. um, we got. And, and um, uh, you know, other people are saying we need to train teachers what to do and things like that, but <clears throat> very few people oppose this concept when they actually understand it. Does the, does the gun debate, is it more civil on a state level than you see it on the national level? Yeah, I can tell you, the Utah legislature, we're about 83% Republican and 17% Democrat, and unlike Congress, we get along very, very well. We usually support each other's bills, and most of the fights... Um, <laughs> are either between the House and the Senate or the legislature and the governor or conservative, you know, far-right Republicans versus kind of more moderate Republicans. But mm. the Republicans and Democrats, um, we, we actually like each other and get along. And I wish Washington, D.C. would kind of follow our lead on that. Did you watch last night's town hall debate? I, I caught just a part of it because I, I'm an attorney and I had a little planning commission hearing last night. But I, I love the fact that President Obama, who I didn't vote for, right. you know, is willing to have that discussion in public and, and get that input. I think that's needed. And I'll tell you, myself and a lot of other Republicans are concerned about this mental illness piece. We're, right. all con- we're, we're obviously concerned about mentally ill people having guns and misusing them. But but you don't want to have a federal law, in my opinion, that will discourage someone who is feeling depressed, maybe temporarily, and needing help and afraid that they're going to lose their gun if they go to their doctor and ask for some help. And and that that's where I think it really gets scary. That's This is where this is so complicated, right? Which is why yeah. there's not one answer, That which is one of the reasons I thought yours – I mean, we need about 500 bills like yours. <laughs> and um, and maybe that's the harder part because it also seems like that everyone kind of polarizes pro gun, anti gun, but the, and it also the NRA gets brought up a lot as as wielding a lot of power. Do you, as a legislator, feel blowback from the NRA? Do you feel like they're? I mean, you always hear about how they they're constantly talking about how they're adjusting where their grades of you, and you're going to be graded by the NRA. Do you feel pressure? You know, I, I don't. The um, NRA sends me a survey every 
cycle where I'm up for re-election. And um, one of the years, I, and I've only been in for four years, but one of the times I, I didn't get it back in time. And so they sent out, you know, to their members a report that they, you know, that I was like a question mark because I didn't answer their questions. And mm. so I got a few emails from constituents saying, hey, what's the deal? Why, you know, why don't you support guns? And I'm very pro-Second Amendment. I don't choose to have a gun in my home, but I, I will fight for your right to have a gun in your home. Um, and, and so uh, Utah is a very gun-friendly state. Yeah. And most of the legislation we get at the Utah legislature is just on the fringes of the issue. For instance, we've had a bill come up the last three years that you know really some gun fanatics are excited about. And, and basically, if, if someone were to bring a, a, a semi-automatic rifle to a parade, you know the issue, you know, and, and start scaring people just by standing there with a big gun with thousands of people around. The issue is whether the police ought to be able to walk up and tap this guy on the shoulder or gal and say, you know, what's going on, and maybe yeah. have a conversation and check their mindset. Some of the more um, activists, you know, think that that's inappropriate, and most reasonable people think, yeah, we'd want the police to at least talk to this guy. Right. I mean, what what he would be doing is legal. But you want to make sure maybe he's not going to become an active shooter. So we have we don't talk about taking guns away. We talk about issues just on the fringes like that. Well, isn't that interesting too? Because we're also having conversations about the need to be more alert as citizens for possible yeah. terrorist acts. And if some guy walks up with a semi-automatic rifle on his side and just to show that he can, yeah, we somebody ought to be making a phone call. Yeah. And, you know, Utah is interesting because we have, you know, some vast rural areas where if you show up in a store with a gun tucked in your belt, it probably wouldn't raise an eyebrow. Right. Then we have some real urban areas like Salt Lake. And every year or so, someone does that. They'll they'll walk through Walmart with an exposed weapon, which is legal in Utah, but it does scare people. Oh, yeah. And I think we all need to be sensitive to to, to those sensitivities. Wow. What do you... um... Where do we go with this, Todd? I mean, as a, a local a local kind of politician, you look at the national politics and it seems like they're so entrenched in their positions that we are never going to have a gun law or, or gun legislation of any, you know, maybe any impact. Is yeah, that is that real or is – is it something that has that, to happen locally? I think that's real. And what's really changed since the founding fathers is our technology is so sophisticated um, that we draw congressional districts basically to favor our party of choice. And so in Utah, obviously, we do that to favor our Republicans because we're a Republican majority and Democrats do the same thing in blue states. And the, the reality is, although there's 435 seats in Congress, each every two years they're all up for re-election, but only 40 of them this year will even be competitive hmm. because they've all been gerrymandered. You know, I, I use that term, yeah, yeah. you know, in air quotes, and not illegally necessarily, but they've all been kind of, you know, you've got uh, politicians picking their constituents instead of constituents picking their representatives, and the, the result of that is in those other 400 seats or 395 seats, you really are getting more extreme Democrats and Republicans because they, they're not. They're not swing districts. They don't have to kind of try to appeal to the more moderate voices and, 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 and to the center voices. And I think that's why you're seeing this unprecedented um, um, you know, bipartisanship, and, or not yeah. bipartisanship, but just the, uh, the, the battle. The polarization. Between, you know, if someone runs on this extreme position, either on the left or the right, and get elected, then, then they feel duty-bound to the people that supported them not to compromise and and, uh, and our, our system's built on compromise. So I've always tried to be someone that's pragmatic first. Yeah. 
Well, and in a way, that's probably the best take because everybody can get around your idea that children shouldn't come across guns and in curiosity be harmed. And so it's – I mean that – to me, that's somewhere where everyone can pretty much agree. Let's go tackle that one. And then, you know, tackle the next thing we can all agree on. And maybe you just maybe you take it apart at the fringes where we or where in the center where we do agree. Um, Absolutely. We, we had an incident just last year, just north of my district. I represent the Bountiful area in Utah. Um, some of your listeners probably know where that is. Yeah. And these kids come home from church, their LDS uh, ward. Um, and right after church, one of the girls uh, had just given a talk in sacrament meeting and uh, their father had been out hunting that weekend and had come in exhausted and set his gun down in the garage. And her little sister picked up that mm. gun in the garage right when they got home and shot and killed her sister who had just spoken in church. And it was just a tragedy that mm. pulled a heart out of this community. Um, and those are the types of situations um, I hope to avoid in the future. Yeah. Oh, I think it's great, Todd. And I applaud you for it. Keep up the great work. And, uh, hey, give your wife a hug from me. Oh, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll probably maybe I'll see her. I don't think I'm coming up this year, but I'll probably see her next year. Okay, she 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 really enjoys you, and I, I know all the spouses do. So thanks for coming. thank you, thank you, all Senator right. State Senator Todd Weiler from uh, the Utah State Senate, just talking about the local impact of uh, of gun gun laws and trying to make a law. And it, folks, it can happen, right? But the tragedies, and that's what I think what we could see also in President Obama's town hall meeting is. There's a lot of innocent people dying, and we can pass a law, and it won't change some of that, right? Some of this that has to be addressed, and it's probably the most difficult thing to address, is the mental health side of all of this. And if you notice, very few people are jumping on that one. It's, it's hard because we don't want to stop somebody from getting mental health help uh, because they, they might lose their gun if they're on an antidepressant or if they're showing some other signs of mental health issues. So it's complicated. Our answers never are simple, except it also doesn't mean we shouldn't uh, try. When we come back, we'll take a quick break, do a little coach's corner about how not to polarize these issues. When you discuss them, when you talk about them, you could be a great advocate without polarizing it. We don't have to hate each other just because we differ. Stick with us, folks. More right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. And uh, with uh, President Obama's town hall meeting last night um, on gun safety, it's it just kind of shows us again how difficult it is to create uh, a, a really open conversation on such a polarized topic as guns. So I wanted to talk about how we can learn to persuade people, how we can influence others, um, and get people to believe in your cause without polarizing it because you you can't have a gun a discussion about guns it seems like without it moving very quickly to the extremes as it does on so many other issues in our culture in our world um for example on terrorism and and the discussions of and war and going you know to Iraq and um and abortion but but 
in the, in the end, we, we look at the politicians. They're extreme. They're going to be extreme. They have to be extreme. They're, they have to placate and, and do what they've got to do to their to get elected. But we don't, right? So we, we are the people that are eventually going to elect these politicians and eventually are going to actually create the change, like State Senator Todd Weiler we just talked to. Um, here's, here's my view. The power is is really in our hands to change these debates, these discussions. Um, we can change them in our local, you know, meetings on the local level, but we can also just change them in our conversations around the dinner table. So there's power and in and an ability for each of us to persuade people to be more open minded. But you gotta you gotta kind of follow some principles. I wouldn't just say like Trump did, you know, Hillary. If she did, believes that guns are so dangerous, then her security team needs to lose all their guns. Okay, that, I mean, it's a great point, Don. You, you nailed it. Donald Trump said that. The same is also true. If guns are so safe, Donald, then everybody in your meetings and rallies should have their guns by their side. Now, can you imagine a three, ten, or three to 10,000 person rally with Donald Trump with 10,000 guns in the room? See, that's just ludicrous. It's crazy because we can't trust the few. There's just a few in the room that can't be trusted. And there's just a few in the room that the security guards around Hillary Clinton are protecting Hillary from. So if you notice, we're not fighting an argument of everyone. We're fighting an argument of just the few. But those are the things we're not talking about. We're not talking about just those few. And we're always trying to protect our rights. So listen, here's some principles for how to persuade other people to believe in more in what in your cause. First, you got to know what you believe. Know what you believe, but don't just know what you believe because you know you you've got the talking points from um, you know the NRA or from you know the Democratic anti-gun movement. Know what you believe truly. What are the principles, for example, that of why you want to have a gun in your home? Is it safety? What else is it? Is it is it hobby to go hunting? Is it collection? You have so many different reasons. But why do you believe in what you believe? What are your principles for why you believe in pro-life or pro-choice? Understand your beliefs. And don't just understand them because somebody talked to you about them. I, for example, um, I, I was very pro-death penalty for a long time. And now I'm just kind of – I'm neutral. I've moved to neutral by simply reading and studying more about how many innocent people are also being killed. And, you know, it scares me that we could make mistakes on the death penalty. And it's moved me back to center um, when I may have been more extreme in one way or another. But it came because I really dug deep to find out is that something I actually believe or is that just one of the things that my party believes? Right. So know what you believe. And before you try to convince everyone else of something, be informed and know what you believe. And please get more informed than just the local media. Right. Or the national media or just this one position. Understand both positions of the argument. Another thing you could do is show passion, not obsession. Nothing on earth is a better attractor than someone that's passionate. But also nothing is a greater repellent than a person that is an obsessed that's obsessed. So the guy that has to show up at a parade with, a, with an automatic rifle because he can, that's obsessive. That's not healthy. And 
it's it's also not respectful to others. You can if your obsession crushes everyone else's respect of others, then you're in trouble. You can be passionate about your guns and highly informed, but you don't need to become extreme. Moderation, moderation in all things. The next rule is be the billboard. What I mean by that is very simply, we are always the best demonstration of what we believe in. We always are the the one. We're the demonstrator. We're the best model. We're the best billboard of what we believe in. So if you want to influence people, then be the billboard. And the interesting thing about like billboard marketing is it's really about putting it up there and you want to keep your billboard up for a while or a long time because it's repetition, repetition, repetition. When people see that you're an open-minded person and informed about your views and able to hear other people's views – That billboard shows that you're trustworthy on this topic. If you could start showing that you're open-minded to hearing everyone else's opinion, which to me that town hall started to do for the president, I think, and it's why I think it would be powerful for the NRA to show that they're open-minded to hearing as well, um, then we could have some powerful discussions. But we are always the billboard. So if you really want to influence another human, be open to what others are saying. And then last but not least, to persuasion – Always think about the people, not the persuasion. The people are what matters. And in the end, it's going to be the people that will make the decisions. It will be the people that will will facilitate and, and make it easier for you to, to have the you know your goals achieved, or it will be the people that will fight against it. We have so many people in our culture and our country today fighting um, each other because no one's talking or thinking about the actual people involved. They're just trying to get their point across. Uh, When you hear a story like we heard earlier in the show of a a girl shooting accidentally her sister to death with her father's shotgun that he left out after a hunt, that's a people story. That should move you. That should actually at least make your heart open up a little bit. And you shouldn't just shut that down just so you can go back to your point. Yeah, but he should still have the right to have a gun. Sure, he should. We don't have to be pro-gun or anti-gun. We can be both. It's just the situation and how it impacts the people. Persuasion, folks. Think of people, not persuasion. Be the billboard. Show passion, not obsession. And truly know what you believe. That's how you influence people. Not just arguing louder or threatening them with, you know, repercussions. Anyway, that's the coach's corner. You know, take it for what it's worth. It was free, right? Uh, We'll take a break, folks. Come back next hour. More ideas, more tools to help you live in this crazy thing we call life. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. It's Friday, folks. Ah, it's Friday. Get ready for Saturday. So then you can have Sunday the day of rest. Oh, man. This is one of my favorite days. Why is that? Because tomorrow's Saturday. I like Thursdays. Do you? Yeah. 
But see, my problem, Saturdays are just as busy for me as Fridays oh. and Thursdays. My day really, it, my week really winds down on Thursday. You're so lucky. Eh, when you're living the life, it's hard to deny it. So <laughs> You're living the life. We talked earlier about uh, Donald Trump Yeah. Yep. in his rally last night where there was a heckler and they threw him out. Yeah. You want to hear that audio? And confiscates. Co- yeah, I do. I think we have that on clip four. I thought I heard a little voice over there. I get him out. Take him out. Get him out of here. Yeah, don't give him his coat. Don't give him his coat. Keep his coat. Confiscate his coat. You know, it's about 10 degrees below zero outside. Now, you can keep his coat. Tell him we'll send it to him in a couple of weeks. I knew I was going to have some in Vermont, in all fairness. I came in like a <laughs> Oh, my heavens. Your future president. I mean... I was reading an article. We should know by March 15th or so who the Republican uh, nominee. nominee is for president. Well, it seems like it's by, the Don. Well, by that point, the uh, there's there's just a percentage of, of caucus or primary votes that will happen, and we'll know who the winner is by that point. Then we will know. Yeah. Then there's a point where the others can't overcome the lead and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, you know, what do you do? So we'll see. Because he's, you know— He's he's the Don. It may not be him. Hey, let's also... Um, it could be Carly Fiorina. It, Sorry. Is ahead. Carly still in? She's around somewhere. <laughs> they really need to... Yeah. There just seems to be some clutter care. towards the bottom of the polls. Maybe just have a cutoff date and... You know what? If Carly Fiorina or any of the other, you know, from six down... Martin O'Malley's still in this thing, too. I so. know. <laughs> but if they really want attention, can I just give them some advice? I'm not a political but, expert. But you're a doctor on the radio. But I am a doctor on the radio. I would take my coat and show up at a Trump meeting and I just make a scene. Yeah. Because then you're going to get tons of press. In fact, that guy with the coat will get more press than Carly Fiorina will get this entire week. Quite possibly. Well, how much have you heard from Carly today? Nothing. Heard from him. Did you hear? I mean, we hear about every heckler that Trump has. There was four of them. So all there, we've heard of two this morning. There was a guy that yelled out the wall, and so we had the wall comments. All Rand Paul has to do. And today we had the coat. Just get into the yeah. meeting. Just jump in. But uh, you know what? I I wouldn't take my coat in because you're not getting it back. Well, maybe you don't have a nice coat. <laughs> if you want, maybe it's a coat you're you're willing to part ways with. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we just did this another way? What, the whole presidential process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. I think it'd just be great if we could just watch them all sit down in forums and, and talk to each other. Didn't the UK wrap theirs up in about yeah. four months or something? I know, and they seem so much happier. Well. But they didn't push through billions of dollars in advertising. No, so there's a whole economy there that we're it's, it's talking different. about too. Kind of different. Hey, um, did you hear about this boy that racks up <laughs> fifty nine hundred dollars on his dad's iPad playing iTunes games? Yeah, I heard something about that. See, your son plays on your iPad. Yes, but we have it shut down so that he can't purchase anything. Or do you? Well, we do. Are you sure? Yes. He could change. Last it. night he goes, Dad, I want you to get the new Cars game on your phone. And I went, you don't play with my phone. That's how phones get broken, little kids. 
So we don't do that. But yeah, we have a lockdown, so he can't make purchases. Seven-year-old son racked up a $5,900 bill playing the iTunes games Jurassic World on his dad on his iPad. Right? So, I mean, he had memorized, I guess, his dad's Apple ID password. Yeah. And bada boom, bada bing, next thing you know. Much to his father's surprise. He's... He's probably buying everything you need to. He probably had every the top line dinosaurs. They were called Dino Dollars mm-hmm. or something like that, or Dino Bucks or something. I don't know. So, in the end, do you think he's going to get a chance to not have to pay this? Now, Apple has a policy where they will repay in some of these instances where kids rack up crazy amounts of a bill of money. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's just money to them. But yeah. Read the end. Read his comment about what he... Uh, I was so mad. This is the dad because of all the dino bucks. Um, I, I was so mad. that I'm 32 years old. Why would Apple think I would be spending thousands of pounds on buying dinosaurs and upgrading a game? Why didn't they email me to check uh, that I knew these payments were being made? I got nothing from them. How much longer would it have gone on for? <laughs> he contacted Apple support demanding a refund but was told there was no guarantee he'd get the money back. Apple is not your mom, no. right? You got to you got to police these. This things. This is why you've got to watch your children. Yeah, that's why your wife is so adamant that you don't just let your boy take your password and he go. Doesn't have the password and go start. You know, but he can't even unlock the iPad. He sits there and he he'll try and lock the thing out and get angry because now it doesn't work. <laughs> but he shouldn't be playing Grand Theft Auto like he, he does. Doesn't. Hours of Grand Theft Auto at the age of five, four. The the most aggressive thing he plays is Angry Birds. <sighs> I know, but those birds are angry. They're very angry, and he's very confused why they're mad at the pigs. But is that is that why is that why your day. son keeps running into walls? No, he doesn't do that. Dad, this one's not breaking down. <laughs> Come on, Dad. We've watched the trailer. There's an Angry Birds movie coming out, and he's so intrigued by it. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, he's watching. He's like, "Oh, watch! He's so mad. He had my wife reenact scenes from the trailer." Oh, great, <laughs> Mom. Oh, now you run into the building and get mad. Okay. No, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> See, violence and video games. Yeah. Yeah. Cute, though. Super when cute. focused, right, I think it's cathartic. I do, too. And the therapy later <laughs> will also help. And that helps you in your economic right. standing. Well, I'm totally fine with it because it keeps the therapy world alive. <laughs> anyway, let's get to the headlines. Uh, find out what's going on in the rest of the world, Terry. Thanks, Matt. In the CNN forum, Obama dismissed what he called a conspiracy alleging that the federal government, and Obama in particular, wants to seize all firearms as a precursor to imposing martial law. The president said his goal with the executive action is to try and save lives. Crime is always going to be with us. So I think it's really important for us not to suggest that if we can't solve every crime, we shouldn't try to solve any crimes. The president blames the notion on the NRA and the like-minded groups that convinced its members that someone is going to come grab your guns. Yes, that is a conspiracy, Obama said. I'm only going to be here another year. When would I have started this enterprise? To get your guns. He's like, I don't have enough time. (laughs) Gotta get your guns. Ridiculous. But he's setting it up so Hillary can get the grab. Maybe that's what it is. Uh He's setting the stage. A new CNN poll was out on Thursday said that 63% of Americans say they were in favor of President Obama's executive action on guns issued this week. The actions are designed to expand background checks for the purposes or for purchases made online or at gun shows and to make it easier for the FBI to complete uh, complete background checks efficiently. Out of those who support the changes, 57% believe they will reduce the number of 
gun-related deaths in the U.S., while 75% of gun owners say they do not think the changes will make a difference. Hmm. Kind of polarized opinions. Yep. There. The Dow Jones dropped almost 400 points Thursday after the Chinese stock market tumbled yet again. China's CSI 300 index dropped 7.2% in its first 30 minutes of trading on Thursday morning, prompting the market to close and marking the shortest day in its 25-year history. The U.S. Mm. is on track for the worst four-day start to a year on record, according to FactSet stats dating back to 1897, Wow! with the Dow down 5% so far in 2016. Yeah, that's a bad. That's a bad. It's a bad start. I hope it's not like an omen. This is scary. Some news report said it was. I'm like, mm, <laughs> things can always turn around. It'll get better. There's 360 days left. Yeah, it's only looking up. It can only get better. Yeah, it's down, right? Uh, to Oregon, Oregon Governor Kate Brown on Thursday offered her strongest remarks yet on the armed militant six-day occupation of the National Wildlife Refuge there, out in the middle of nowhere, southeastern Oregon. Uh, calling the action unlawful and demanding the group decamp immediately. Decamp! Sheriff Dave Ward yeah. yesterday went and met on some random out in the middle of absolute nowhere. They had cameras at the meeting that the sheriff had with Ammon Bundy. Yeah. And they're out there remote, isolated. It was him and a couple sheriffs and a couple <laughs> guys within some reporters and they were trying to talk. They both kind of went through bullet points that they've been saying all this time. And the the, the sheriff offered a peace a peaceful uh, exit from the county. Yeah. And well, Ammon, we're going to look this way. Yeah. And you guys just all skedaddle the back. He even yeah. offered like an escort. We'll escort you out of the county so there's no problems. And Ammon Bundy says, I don't need an escort and we're not going anywhere. So the sheriff went back to meet today again mm-hmm. to say, hey, let's do this. And he's once again said, Ammon Bundy said they are not leaving the area. Do you know what he had to do? What's that? Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you heard this part too. Because they're all mad because the government's taking away their land. Yes. And there is some evidence that oh, there, sure. there's this encroachment that's happening. And and then the Paiute Indian tribe. <laughs> yes. They're all like, say what? Yeah. Who's You're land mad was, about land being taken land away? Taken? Yeah. So – Maybe the sheriff and the tribal leaders and the Bundy clan, or whatever we're calling them, yes, get together. The Bundy bunch, little peace pipe. Okay, and we we kidnap. We, we use the oh. talking stick. Which oh, okay, right. <laughs> Native American. Oh, you're looking lore. for a peaceable solution. Well, or you put something in the blankets that will make them sick. Oh, <laughs> really? and then when they go to bed, you sneak in. Put, bundle them up. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I just envision a blanket. They're all caught in a blanket and you tie it up. This would feed into the whole government black helicopter kidnapping yeah. in the middle of the But don't have special ops do it. Well, who else is going to sneak in and do something like that? I don't know. I'd have Trump's people. Okay. They can get rid of people. <laughs> I think this would just fan the flames of conspiracy. <sighs> it's so hard. Anyway. Finally. Yeah. Do you see the state of Oklahoma as an earthquake hotbed? No. Apparently it is. Is it really? More than 70 small earthquakes have hit Oklahoma in the past week. Wow. Stoking fears. Is this every, every week there's this many? They there's... have quite a few, huh. but they've had 70 this week. Stoking fears about the potential for a major one shaking, a major earthquake shaking the state. Smaller quakes continue Thursday. Magnitude 4.7 earthquake struck late Wednesday night directly beneath a major oil and gas production area. A more powerful magnitude 4.8 quake hit 30 seconds later. Wow. Which ranks as the state's fourth largest on record. 
This is crazy town. Authorities say they were, uh, there were no reports of damage or injuries. Experts say the frequency in quakes is likely caused by hydraulic fracture operations injection wells, which are used for oil and gas waste disposal. Is this back to fracking? This is fracking. Yeah. There are many people. Because oh, I, I was going to say it's the headquarters of oil, and but now it's now and the, gas. The now government it's... of Oklahoma has been slow to admit that there's a, any sort of connection here because they there's a large oil production uh, you know, going on in the state. But there's all this evidence pointing to you started fracking and we started shaking. What are we going <laughs> to do? Way, about that this? sounds like a great song. Could be. Yakety frack. You know that's just sad. I mean, all of a sudden, one country, one or state's going to, I guess, take the major lesson of fracking. They're going to, I guess, they've been getting the benefit, but that's scary. Yes. Seventy earthquakes in a week. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Interesting news, folks. Hey, a great uh, guest coming up next. How would you like to go from Broadway? You know, playing in Les Mis, the 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 famous central role of Cosette. In Les Mis, and then depression, major depression. Uh, Sandra Turley is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. She went from Broadway star to battling depression, and she wants to uh, she wants to tell her story, make sure her her story is heard, so that we can kind of normalize mental health issues instead of you know hiding those issues away. Let's bring them out. Let's talk about the impact of depression on our lives. Uh, She's a wonderful role model, beautiful voice, and uh, a talented actress. She'll be joining us in just a few minutes. We're talking about the battle of depression and mental health. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Townsend Show. Just a little sampling of our next guest, Sandra Turley. Uh, Sandra is a, a, a wonderful uh, artist, musician. She performed the role of Cosette in Les Miserables on Broadway. I love that play. And uh, man, you can't get bigger than Les Mis on Broadway in New York City, can you? Um, and was part of the original closing cast. Sandra was invited to perform the role of Cosette in Shanghai, China, as well, at the premiere of Les Mis there. Um, You know, she's also a graduate of Brigham Young University and has made it a point to, um, to, to, to open up, I think, a really personal part of her life, um, she eventually, after being a Broadway star, uh, suffered depression and um, I think boldly, nobly brought it out and, and brought it out into the open so the rest of us could understand the battle of depression and mental health. Uh, she did so in an effort to help all of us, I think. So we're so excited to have you, Sandra, on the show. Welcome to The Matt Townsend Show. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate you taking time today. You bet. What a it. great story. Just a little hometown girl. Where were you from originally, Sandra? 
I grew up in Connecticut, actually. Yeah, so maybe not so hometown, really. Um, well, a pretty little <laughs> tiny hometown, but was just it? in Connecticut. <laughs> then you come to BYU. Then you, you decided you want to be a Broadway star. Yep. And you made it. I mean, what's I it like to get the role Cosette in one of the original closing casts? That's huge. Well, it was surreal. You know, it is one of those things that you look at as a as a youth and you say, that would be really neat to do that someday, but how do you actually really do that? Yeah. And and I followed the dream and had a lot of great um, coaching and a lot of luck and a lot of blessings from above. Yeah. It just led me to that great time of life. And you, you were an understudy for a while, right? And then... For one year. One year. Mm-hmm. And then how long were you in the role of Cosette? I, uh, for two and a half years in New York City. Unbelievable. How many performances a day or um, a week? You, a week. It was eight shows a week. Man. Yeah. That's a lot of work. It's You know what, though? It's actually kind of not. That's the secret of Isn't it. it? <laughs> it's, it's less than 40 hours a week. Once you're in the show, it's just kind of like clockwork, and it's a beautiful clockwork. But it's actually not too much work. The The challenge is, is it was opposite hours of my working husband, who was actually doing all the work. <laughs> oh, wow. So and now, were you married when you went there, or did you find your husband yes. there? We had been newly married. We were married about 10 months when I got cast in Les Mis. That is too cool. Yeah, um, pretty awesome. It is awesome. Now, what does your husband do? He's a normal businessman. He works in finance. And he takes care, great care of our family. Just a normal dude. Yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it? What's it like for him to be married to the big Broadway star at the time? Like you have to come in with big fanfare and red carpets. <laughs> he, he actually growing up that it wasn't quite as um, elaborate and exciting as, as it all looks like from the outside because his father actually is a professional trumpet player who started off with the Osmonds. So he got to see that growing up as well. So he's had a nice touch of it. That's kind of nice. That's neat. And then this is the turn, and I think this is where it gets interesting. So after two and a half years uh, with Les Mis, did you continue your, your career on stage or – is that when you moved to start having a family? Yep, I retired. We actually started trying to have our little family while we were while I was in Les Mis all those years, and um, that's probably where some of my depression kicked in. Is that it really didn't work out the way that we had planned when we decided to finally have our family? It took years and years. So when Les Mis closed, I retired from being on Broadway, knowing that surely any second I would get to be a mom next, and it just took many more years than we thought. Wow. And and then but you now have four kids. Yes, we sure do. And they're loud and they remind me that they're there every second. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's hard too because you um so so you started having a bout with depression during that time and then I did I mean I always assume when a woman has a baby and all the chemicals changing and lo- and lost mental health and depression and uh uh, what's it called? Postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. That's gonna that can happen to everybody or the best of them. Yeah, it certainly doesn't happen to so many of us. And yet, I had heard about it, learned about it, watched friends with it, and thought, well, I'm not going to have that because it was so hard for me to get my children that once they're here, I'm going to be Mary Poppins every day, and it's <laughs> going to be picture perfect, and I will never be sad for a moment. So that's when it actually was even worse to feel some sadness and some, you know, my, my kind of depression comes out as anger and angst mm. and um, agitation. Um, so to feel that when I should have been feeling nothing but just the peaceful heavens opening and pouring this sweet, you know, children into my arms um, yeah. was even more depressing. <laughs> well, and then, what, what, that, then all of a sudden you must look at yourself like, I'm a monster. What's happening to me? Right. Exactly. 
How, exactly. How depressing. Yes. <laughs> right? And then it feeds on itself, I guess. And um, did you did you know it was depression at first, or did you just think, ah, I'm just getting used to being a mother, or I'm just... Yeah, I certainly didn't know it was depression. I didn't put a name to it for at least, you know, five years after the fact. Um, and, and so looking back, of course, with everything in life, you can name things, label things, understand things so perfectly. And I'm glad that I do look back and I'm not afraid to look at the, the years of struggling with infertility and the months after having babies that um, brought some sadness and difficult times and to really put a label to it now. And then to put that into my life currently and recognize that all of those were things in the past that are actually not affecting me right now, but different variations of them hit me each day or at different phases and seasons of life. Hmm. I mean, I guess that's why we need to talk more about depression and mental health so people can recognize it earlier. I mean, you shouldn't have to go. To me, just as a professional, I, I know uh, infertility and fertility issues, uh, there's going to be a higher likelihood of depression and anxiety and other pressures. It just seems like everybody should kind of know the signs of depression. Yeah, we should know it and so that we can recognize it, just as you said. But also, usually there's like an incubation period, if, if you will. Uh-huh. After you recognize it, it kind of has to sit in you for a while, that recognition. And, and some people will quickly get help and others, like myself, will wait years and years and years and say, no, I'm strong enough. I will fix this all on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good. I'm so strong. I can fix it. And wow. Then one day you realize maybe actually you could use some help. You know what? I would love to hear you do um, Cosette now Uh (laughs) because don't you think you've got a richness now that that you may not have had? Yes, so much more life experience. And as an actress, you you can only pull on what, what you've done, what you see, and what you think you comprehend from other people's lives. But... My goodness, when you go through difficult times, it just it develops your person just the way that God wants us to be developed. Mm-hmm. And it stretches us and strengthens us. And, yeah, I surely could have used that in a couple of roles on stage. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, and your husband, what was it like for him as he sees you going through this and, and, and sees you in a way he's probably hadn't seen you before? Yeah, he kind of um, he took as many years as me to to figure this out alongside me. Um, he wasn't any more well-versed in it. He hadn't grown up in a home where anybody dealt with any type of anxiety or depression, just, you know, normal moody teenage sisters. Mm-hmm. But we, we all know what that is. Um, and we re- we started to recognize that it was more than just being a, a moody female. Um, and we we talked about it fairly openly, but um, quite honestly, at you know, at the beginning as we talk about it, he would simply say, well, just choose to be happy and yeah. choose to go out and, and do what you need to. And and, you know, it would break my heart, but I would feel like, okay, that's what I should do. Yeah. Um, and now as the years have gone by and we've worked with wonderful doctors and, and therapists and he, our communication together as a couple has grown so much, he is just the most supportive and thoughtful husband as, as he listens to my woes and my worries and my triumphs and my excitement. And he knows that when I've had a super exciting experience that usually right afterwards I might hit 
a, mm. a lower low. And he's ready for those with me. Oh, man. I think that's, that's, that's how it's supposed to happen, right? That's, we're, that's how we're supposed to become one as a couple. Yeah, to become. But yeah. it, it didn't start that yeah, way. Yeah, you're not you born know, that way, are you? Exactly. Powerful. Sandra, let's take a break and come back. I want to have you talk about the hope of all of this because one of the things you do with your music and just your life is you want to express that there is hope from depression and um, there, there are there are ways to improve your life and to understand it better. So more with Sandra Turley. Um, go to her website, wonderful resource, sandraturley.com, where you can get downloads of her music and, um, and a little bit more about her story. You can also follow her blog. Stick with us, folks. Helping you overcome some of the challenges of your life today, depression. Um, from Broadway to uh, the dark battle of depression. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. To the Matt Townsend Show. Love this song um, by Rachel Platten, Fight Song. And to me, it reminds me of our guest uh, we've been talking to, Sandra Turley, from Broadway star to battling depression. It's a, oh, It's got to be the loneliest battle because it's inside your head and you don't quite get or think anybody gets you. Um, and so uh, Sandra is joining us. She has a great website, Sandra Turley. Dot com And on that website, too, you can go find out about some of her latest releases. Um, she's written some incredible music also with Kurt Bester, um, who's an incredible composer. Um, Sandra, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you. Great to have you. It's When I think about depression, um, I, I, it, to me, it's, it's like this prison that you're stuck in. And in our culture, there's so many... Uh, stereotypes and stigmas about people with depression. Was that a part of your battle is trying to overcome the stigma? Actually, part of my battle was figuring out that my personal struggles weren't exactly the way that the stigma Hmm. sounds. Yeah. Lots of the stigma is I can't get out of bed. It's just too hard. And for me, that was never me. I was actually never fully just sad. So it wasn't just like, oh, well, this is depression. Mine was more anger and anxiousness and irritability. Mm. And uh, those are words that I hadn't heard with depression. I hadn't heard that in in conjunction with anxiety. So part of my battle was making finding what my language was, the yeah. way that my body was telling me something's a little bit imbalanced here and you could use a little bit of help. Yeah. That's that's got to be weird when you're not fitting the norm mm-hmm. but you're feeling all of the impact. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're you're an outlier and it's like, no, it's not quite that. Yep. Yep. Nope, nope. But um, but is the treatment the same? So for anybody out there that's listening, if they don't fit the norm and they don't fit your kind of more uh, anger kind of based depression, what there there is hope, right? We, you can oh figure out heavens. the code. Yes, the hope the hope is um, the hope is found really again in your own treatment. Um, but the treatment starts with first recognizing it, like we said allowing it to sit inside you for a little while so that you can really, you know, say this is what my body is doing and I do need some help. 
And then we get help in so many different ways. And of course, our first, my first line as somebody who believes in a God who loves me and who is watching out for me is to turn to him and ask for help and to give me strength. Um, And in doing that, I feel like he guided me to be able to find the right doctors and therapists and honestly, friends, Mm. the right friends to counsel with who said, hey, I've got another friend who's dealt with this and this is her doctor and this is what she's doing. So I could start to just make a little network, a safe network for myself. The friends, that's a big deal. I mean, I didn't think about because a lot of like you're saying just the example of your husband like come on honey just be happy or just change i mean yeah, that's what yeah. i would be saying um but then to have a friend that you can open up with maybe that that relationship becomes the first therapeutic relationship of course yes powerful yes. did yeah. um did your and then you'd go to therapists and then you created a, a protocol a structure for how to handle it yep yep so i've tried actually quite a few different things throughout the years as my body just has you know, changed through um, having children, not having children. And um, and so working with a therapist through talk therapy was like enlightening to me. And I didn't go till I was 35. And I wish I had gone when I was 15. You know, mm, yeah. it was it was so powerful and exciting, not um, scary and not um, like embarrassing. It was exciting to have her get inside my brain and to be there and to, you know, discover everything that I might have been suppressing and holding back. And, oh, it was just enlightening. And then to work with um, a regular OB or a general practitioner who was able to get me on um, a right type of medication for myself. And then my latest has been working with a wonderful homeopathic doctor Mm. who has helped me with supplements and massive dietary changes. And I haven't ever felt better. I feel like a superwoman on on lots of days. Yeah. It's 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 that complicated though, isn't it? Body, mind, spirit. Yes. You've you've attacked you've attacked every area, and Each is it? One. And I guess it's it's never going to end. I mean, I'm assuming our your chemistry, like everyone else's, will change again. Yeah, yeah. We got and we need to allow it to change. We don't just think, okay, well, here I am. I will label myself as a depressed, anxious person for the rest of my life, and I will live as that, and that is all I am. Right. It's not. We are so, as human beings, we are so much deeper. We can't be defined by just one part of ourselves. We need to allow ourselves to evolve and create and change all the time. So for right now, what I'm doing is working for me and it's growing. And I think it's probably important to say that just like most people who have to go on medication for any type of anxiety or depression, we, most of us aren't completely comfortable with thinking that that's a lifetime, lifetime. Right thing. And I struggle with that all the time. And then I go off my medicine and and think, I'm doing good. I've got this. And then I wake up one day and I go, oh, no, I (laughs) do not. I need my meds. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I hear that a lot. A lot of people that do not, they feel like they're failing by having to get on a medicine. Right. So, but would we be, would we feel like we're failing if we have um, a kidney problem and we right. need kidney medication or, a, you know, thyroid medication or a heart medication. No, we wouldn't feel like we're failing with, with that. So if, if when we talk about stigma, if there's one piece of stigma that we could get away from this is that me- medication for mental hurt and illnesses is not necessary. It is necessary. 
maybe not um, to the extent as some, that some people use it, but it, it, it is necessary to get people's head up above the water and figure out who they are again and find their full capacity to be themselves again. Yeah, and, and the answer, that whole idea of just just hunker down, you know, mm-hmm. just think positive. I mean, I, or even, even I, and again, it sounds, uh, even just pray. Right. Um, they're, they're, and they can all work. And and it's more complicated too. It is, you know, and I've I've really found that that's such a valuable piece of information to get out there is that your faith is it's completely different than your mental health, mm-hmm. and you cannot say that you're going to pray yourself through a heart attack and that you're going to pray yourself through kidney stones and it's going to go away. You're not going to pray yourself with faith out of depression and anxiety. And it doesn't mean that you don't have faith if you don't heal yourself right. in prayer, praying. It means that there's something chemical going on that you also, you need to have your faith and utilize every bit of it. But having that faith will you hopefully lead you to asking for help from a doctor. Well, yeah, the, the faith will then enlighten you what to actually do to fix it. Yes. I mean, God along the way has always presented there's he's always allowed there to be problems just use your faith to let god help you find the answer exactly and and it's interesting because uh, one of the biggest uh, addiction programs around alcoholics anonymous they all they begin with faith it's all about the 12 mm-hmm. steps and it's all about turn it over to god yep. and you just kind of naturally did that so why wouldn't whether it's an addiction which also could be sometimes a mental health issue or a depression, that's just a great place to start. Yeah, it Man. sure is. You, um, how are your kids? How, how old are the children now? My children are nine, seven, six, and three, hmm. which some people would hear that and say, well, that's why you have anxiety. I <laughs> think I see the problem. <laughs> you know, um, but Wait till they're, they're teenagers, though. When they're teenagers, then this is going to be a whole other conversation <laughs> for you and I. <laughs> that's exactly right. But how but beautiful. You know they're what, yours. What, they're mine, and we're open about this in our home in a really healthy way that, you know, when I'm having a tough day, they'll come and they notice. They'll say, like, hey, Mom, are you okay today? My oldest, too, mm. in particular. And I'll say, you know, I'm kind of having a tough day. My, I've got a headache, and my brain's kind of hurting. And they'll, they'll kind of step it up and help a little bit more. Or if they haven't noticed, I'll say, I'll just tell them, this has been a little bit of a tough day for me. Can I have some more help? And oh, I'm, I hope, I won't know until they're adults. But I hope that that's the right way to yeah. approach that with them, just that they know that it's okay. I'm fine and I'm normal, but I do need extra help at certain times. Well, and there's honestly, their spouses will love you <laughs> because they're, I mean, what nine-year-old, is it a boy or a girl? I've got a girl, a boy, and two girls. But this so. nine-year-old girl recognizes mom and her emotion is a little down and asks. I mean, mm-hmm. that the other powerful thing is... Um, a lot of this could be handed down too. And so yes. mm-hmm. to be able to see you productively dealing with depression is, I think, one of the greatest gifts you can give your children. Thank you. Thank and, you. I, I hope it's productive. And, and I do watch them like a hawk. And obviously, it's not sometimes depression and anxiety are linked to other yeah. health issues that we yeah. just don't even know about. And I'm actually finding out about myself a lot about some hypothyroid and perhaps Hashimoto's issues that that I have had and just didn't know that are triggering and Excellent. making things worse. So I'm watching that. I'm watching that a lot as I'm learning about it for my own self. I'm watching that a lot with my children and helping them with their diet choices. Mm. Um, and, you know, and it's not like you're, it's not like any of us are determined to have to suffer miserably, but what you're teaching your children, it seems like is we're going to figure it out. So with yes. faith and with 
doctors of all types, we're yes. going to figure this out and nothing needs to hold us back. Yep, nothing. But nothing it all can impact, but it's not yep. who I am. Exactly. Man, so in the end, I look at that. I mean, the greatest gift is just you're teaching the skills of life. Whether it's this they're going to face or a troubled, you know, you might have one of your children may have a a troubled teenager that has other issues, and you're going to just teach her how to figure it out. I hope so. That's pretty neat. (laughs) I mean, again, why I love it, Sandra, is it's life. And sure, Broadway star, but uh, really just regular old human being. We're all regular old human beings. Yeah. And anybody who makes you feel otherwise is lying. <laughs> They're just lying. It's <laughs> We're so all true. regular. We all have our own battles. We've heard those great quotes just to be recognizing that everyone, everyone around us is fighting their own thing. And I know a lot of people will look at my life from the outside and say, wow, everything looks so perfect. Um, but we all have our own, we all have our own hurts and our heartaches and our own pains. And we need to allow each other to go through them, to help each other through them, and to have hope for each other that we will come out victorious. Hmm. Did Is this impacting your music? I know you released uh, an album, Inside My Soul, uh, and um, recently. Is that the one you mm-hmm. did with Kurt Bester? Or talk I did. about? Yeah. Yep, that's the one I did with Kurt Bester, and it was such an, a remarkable experience to come to that album. Um, Desiree Book had asked me to do a second album, and I kind of just said, I don't know what else to do. I did my big Broadway album first, and I didn't know what, what else I was supposed to share. And each one of those songs, as we found them and came to them and arranged them, they really are an expression of the inner parts of my soul, just of how I feel about my relationship with God and the strengths that I can pull from Him, but also the strength that we need to to have to live each day of our lives and to move forward and to allow seasons to change and Mm. for our lives to evolve. Beautiful. Uh, As we wrap it up, Sandra, and again, they can get uh, those albums on Amazon or iTunes, right? They can get them Mm -hmm. anywhere. Um, What... What would you say to the rest of us? What's like the one thing that is the most important thing you found in dealing with your depression? What's the one thing that makes the biggest difference that we all should remember? Oh, one thing is hard to say, but... oh. And you may have already said it. Well, perhaps, but I think just making sure that as we do find things that might not be the way we want them to be in our lives, not to define our whole entire lives by it. It's actually a little bit... You know, it's fun for me to do an interview like this, but awkward to to think yeah. that that this is all you might think that my life is about. Right. Is I define myself as only someone who has anxiety and depression. Right. You know, so just to remember that we are not just one thing, that we are so vast, and that's the way we were created. So to tackle the things that are broken or hurting with every ounce of faith and hope that you have, tackle it and try to overcome the difficulties. But also remember that those difficulties do not define your whole being Mm. because we are so much more than just the one thing. Absolutely. Perfect advice. Sandra Mm. Turley, we appreciate you. Take care (laughs) and take care of those kids. (laughs) Thank you, man. Good luck to you. And uh, everybody, go check out the website, sandraturley.com. That's where you can find out more information about uh, her albums and her work. Also, any performances that are coming up, plus the blog, and you can go check out her latest writing there. Excellent stuff, folks. What a great advice, too. You're not defined by your greatest strength or your greatest weakness. You're much more than either. You are, you're a whole being, right? Spiritual, physical, social, emotional, intellectual, powerful stuff. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up this uh, second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I mean, when you think about depression or anxiety or ADHD or any kind of mood disorder or just other things, migraines, fibromyalgia, Hashimoto's disease, all of these things, they're they're hard, they're complicated. And we have so many people, our neighbors, our friends, our family that are battling these issues. They're battling them day in and day out. And you don't even know it. You don't know that somebody, your neighbor, was just diagnosed with something. And I mean, if it was cancer, we're all like, oh, that would be horrible. But you don't know that they were diagnosed with depression. And as uh, Sandra Turley was talking about, they're battling with just the idea that I've got depression. And they might, might take three or four months to figure out what that means. And instead of us all just judging these people, like, oh, they're just a rude neighbor. Yeah, they never say hi. I say hi to them all the time, and they never say hi. Well, meanwhile, back in the back bedroom of your neighbor that never says hi, she's struggling with migraines. She's she's not just the neighbor that's closed off and trying to avoid you. She's also trying to close off the light from her home because the light causes headaches. What if we could all be a little more accepting, a little more patient, a little more taking the place of other um, and, and trying to understand somebody before we, you know, before we judge them? What if we could have more compassion of one another? And maybe walk in their shoes. Oh, that's just so soft and fluffy, Matt. Yeah. Until it's you, right? And again, for some it's depression and that's going to be their cross to bear. And for others, it's a child that gets away and is struggling. And for other, it's, uh, you know, somebody that, that harms them in a car accident. We've all got a cross that we've got to carry. We've all got a a cross that we have to bear. Um, And yet in the end – and it it doesn't go away. And the longer you go, the more likely you are to eventually receive the cross if you haven't received it yet and feel the burden of it. Um, Just give everybody time. Give everybody time. And if it's not you, it could be your parents you're helping through. Which is why, you know, if is you're aging and your parents are aging, right when you finally get your kids out of your house and everything should be great and now you got money and you've got age and youth still to to go have a life with your family or your spouse, then your aging parents need care. The burden is everybody's, right? And if we could just see that everyone around us is suffering silently something. And be a little slower to judge, a little slower to react. Um, let's get more of our self-worth, more of our um, sense of value from being somebody who can just care. 
what if we could just increase our ability to love somebody? And and it doesn't have to be soft and just foo-foo-y. It could also be powerful. There's there's people that you could go impact their life today if just by giving them a break, just by not having to react, just shake your head and walk away. Um, makes sense. And it's not it's not easy making it through life, and it's really not easy making it through life when everyone around you has a critique. And I sometimes worry that, you know, we're so proud of our rights to speak and freedom to speak. And we all want our freedoms, but none of us want the responsibility of also knowing when not to speak. If somebody says something stupid, you don't necessarily have to combat it. You could just let that silly idea drop and die. You don't have to beat the stupid idea to a bloody pulp. Just let it go and instead elevate the conversation by saying something healthier. Anyway, folks, we're in this together and it's not going away. We are uh, we are neighbors and we are each other's good Samaritans. So let's do what we can to elevate the game. It's the goal of the show, to give you the information, the tools you need to live, love, and lead healthier lives. We'll take a break. Come back next hour, hour number three of the Matt Townsend Show. Folks, stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Top of the morning to you. It's Friday. Two days before the day of rest. Saturday? Sunday. Oh. It's the day of rest. Is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's in the Bible. (laughs) Just check it out. It's in the Bible. News to me. Um, Great uh, show coming up for you. We're going to be talking with our parent previews guru about uh, movies. Rod Gustafson will be joining us, um, talking about some of the new releases on DVD. Then we're going to have a Meet the Producers segment with two of our male producers, Ben, uh, one of them. Our only two. That's, uh, That's true. Right. They're a, they're a, a isolated breed of producer on our show. Yeah, we have a lot of females to male, and the funny thing is, they they all complain about how they're not dating the males they, and the females. They do. All of them collectively complain. I don't think I've ever complained about that. Well, oh, sorry, your mother um, complains that. Ben's oh, okay, not yeah, that. Yeah, that I'm sorry. Sounds like my mother. I thought she calls every night. Um, so we'll have them on. We're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions. I think they just want to – they have some questions about New Year's resolutions. And then we're going to go visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, find out what's going on with them. I've got a great discovery for them that reminds me of them because Jerem mm. has a stash. Right. So I want to talk to him about this brand-new calendar that came out. A calendar? Calendar. Oh, calendar. Mm-hmm. It's a calendar Okay. On a, based on a guy's back hair. And he 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 etches. I don't know what else to say. He cuts, S- sculpts. He sculpts his back hair into different pictures and images. <sighs> and but wouldn't have to grow back once you shave? Well, it yeah, so you have but, a clean palette again to right, to, but, to craft know, from. But for some of us, 
that doesn't take very long. <laughs> Gross. Right? So we're going to talk to those guys about that. Like, if they have their own fur coat. If they had their own coat, what would they etch or sculpt into their coat? I'm sure. <laughs> I'm. <coughs> oh, Ben, you okay, bud? Ben. Oh, no. Oh, this, <laughs> this is bad. Every time he I apologize. gets all gaggy. Yeah. Uh, ben, you all right, bud? You all right? This is kind of hard for me to hear. It's Apparently. kind of gross. Apparently. Man. It's kind of gross for us, too. It's incredible, though, because he has, like, a backpack. Yeah. He has Cupid. <laughs> he has, um, I don't know, Paris. He's got it all. New Year's, baseball logos, football. So does he have to grow his hair back when he wants to do a new one? Oh, sure. There's a nativity scene. Yeah, the nativity <laughs> Uh, Think of a nativity scene and how you would possibly shave that into somebody's back. And yeah. it's been done. Yeah. And I it's mean, kind of gross. So if anybody out there thought that they were going to do that, yeah, too late. It's too late. But you can find a nice pattern on the web, apparently. Yeah. <sighs> he's, he's got a little Easter motif with for, like a bunny. For, first, you have to find the the, the person with the, with the proper... Uh, art uh, palette or palette. Uh, medium. medium 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 there we go medium medium um, I'm new to art yeah well back art especially especially back art and then you have to find someone who's skilled enough yeah with a razor to just bring out the the art yeah. from that blank canvas exactly and you, then you got to comb it <laughs> you got to do all those things is it gel is it what are they I, I don't know what they do that's gross yeah but, it might look different after you comb it a little bit yeah part it on the side or something. Oh, that's so sad. How we just how the show just sinks. The minute I bring up back hair. This but is yeah. the show where we give you the information you need. So this guy has a calendar. He has a calendar. He lives up in what, Boise, Idaho? Yeah, to raise money for a charity to help fund an orphanage in Kenya. I was thought you were gonna say like hair plugs for men or something. <laughs> yeah. And they just transplant it once he's done but shaving. Can you imagine these poor Kenyans like, so where do we get the money for the new orphanage? <laughs> Well, there's a man in Idaho. They're like, wait, there's a calendar in this box. Who oh, has gross. a lot of back hair. <laughs> These poor orphans are like, oh, okay. Whatever. American, Ask no questions. Americans are weird, but they're nice. <laughs> they're sure charitable. Um, yeah, you can just see in the little orphanage this calendar hung up all over. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for helping us, Mike Wolf. By the way, his name is Mike Wolf. Of course it is. <laughs> How? Absolutely. Mike Wolf, 35, from Idaho. Well, that's probably what solves it. Every full moon, they can go ahead and do a new piece of art. Well, let, uh, that's he, true. It immediately grows back it grows the moon back. once a See, full moon See, but Mike, Mike, we got to get this straight because Mike is the medium. Mike is the, the palette. Yes. Mike is the canvas. There you go. And Tyler Harding oh. is the graphic designer. There you go. <laughs> so we don't want to give all the credit no, to Mike, no. even though Mike is the one that wears all the credit. Hair's all the credit. Whichever. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, anything else going on around the world that we need to be worried There's about? There's quite Tim? a bit going on. President Obama said that he refuses to vote for any candidate who doesn't support overhauling gun laws in a New York Times op-ed published on Thursday. The president wrote, I will not campaign for, vote for, or support any candidate, even in my own party, who does not support common sense gun reform. Obama also admitted that while he continues to advocate for gun control during the remainder of his time in office, an overhaul is up to future candidates as it likely will not happen in this Congress or in this presidency, since there's so little time left. After the president's town hall meeting last night, Chris Cox, NRA executive director, said this president is trying to create an illusion that he's doing something to keep people safe 
He called the president's gun control initiative an attempt to distract the American people away from failed policies. Hmm. Okay. So there you go, both sides. Yeah. Bill Clinton made his first official campaign stop in Iowa yesterday, stumping for his wife, Democratic presidential frontrunner Hillary Clinton. Before the president could jump, the former president could jump into his speech, he was briefly interrupted by a phone call. There are other issues that keep Americans up at night, and my phone's ringing. <laughs> I have to call. I have to call Hillary back and explain why I couldn't take it. <laughs> Hillary called him during his. Wow, that speech. is. You're lucky, like, his phone, his tone, what's yeah, it called? Ringtone ring isn't, like, something, like... Something horrible, crazy. yeah. Crazy. President Clinton will continue to be deployed, as it says, by Hillary Clinton's campaign until the Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire primary and possibly beyond. It's uh, 100 year In its 100-year history, Planned Parenthood has never offered an endorsement in a presidential primary until Thursday. The Women's Health Organization has announced it is backing Hillary Clinton. Clinton said she was honored by the endorsement Planned Parenthood. President uh, Cecile Richards told the New York Times that endorsement surveys were sent out to all the candidates in the 2016 race, including Republicans. None of the Republicans replied. But so she would have endorsed them. She didn't say that. She said they sent out all all the paperwork for the survey and no Republican responded. Do government contractors endorse candidates? When they're dragged in front Seems of... Seems like they're supposed to stay neutral. No. Well, are, like, are they a government contractor? Well, they're receiving funds from the government Doesn't to mean fulfill they're government contractor. activities, right? That just seems weird. I mean, it seems like if you're getting funding from I mean, the they government... Did, they didn't they even get someone neutral. telling them they're not interested. They just got nothing in response. So interesting. Found that interesting. Yeah, Tech executives are expected to sit down Friday in California with members of the Obama administration and U.S. intelligence officials to talk about how to combat online radicalization. A source familiar with the meeting tells reporters. White House Chief of Staff Dennis McDonough, uh, FBI Director James Comey, National Director of Intelligence James Clapper are planning to attend, the sources said. Twitter, Apple, Facebook, and Google confirmed that they are attending, while several other companies, including Microsoft, LinkedIn, and Dropbox, are expected to be there also. Topics on the agenda reportedly include how to make it more difficult for militants to recruit supporters on social media, as well as helping users to create content to undermine groups like ISIS. Ooh. Should we help users of social media to create content to undermine ISIS? I don't know if that's a... Uh, that's, yeah. Uh, I read that one. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> do I want to be involved in uh, I, I, combating ISIS or are there other organizations that yeah, should do let's, that? Yeah, let's have others do that. That was an interesting... Yeah, uh, you may not want them knowing who you are. Um, And this story happened yesterday or a couple days ago. Passengers sat on a cold Greyhound bus wondering why it was parked at a Kansas hotel in the afternoon for hours. Then finally learned that the driver had gone in for an unannounced nap. The bus was reportedly on its way to Denver when it stopped at the La Quinta in Salina, Kansas on Tuesday. Passengers claimed the driver never said where he was going or why and eventually called Greyhound and the police to try to figure it out. The company claimed the driver had to finish his regulated rest hours. Yeah. There's federal regulations for bus drivers on how much time they sleep. Will you wake Ben up? Hey, Ben. Ben, we're we're doing the show, dude. Ben. 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 Oh, sorry. So, so... So the, the bus driver just stops the bus, walks off the bus, 
Goes into La, La Quinta, gets he a room, and a takes word. a nap. He didn't say a word to anybody. Hey, everybody, nap time. Greyhound's response was, reportedly, that the riders could have gone into a nearby fast food restaurant to stay warm. Well, sure. So and it was their, their problem. And the guy could have said, hey, everybody, I have a regulation where I can't drive anymore. Could have said something. But I think that also means that Greyhound didn't get another driver. Usually they'll yep. drive a driver out there to pick up the group. and That's the idea. Usually we don't have them freeze. Yeah. Well, there's people on the bus. They had infants, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So people were temperature. Some people had groceries. That yeah. Were- and they're just hanging out on the Greyhound. They're trying to get to Denver. They're in the middle of Kansas. And they're like, what's going on? Where'd the bus driver go? I tell you, I guess that's, you know, could be worse. Folks, your life could be worse. You could be trying to get a Greyhound from Kansas to Denver. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with our good buddy from um, Parent Previews, Rod Gustafson. He's on the show every Friday to help us kind of go over some of the latest movies that have been released. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the new DVD releases that you might you know, want to go watch. Uh, A few of them may have snuck through and um, some great movies to go check out. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're talking movies. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, it's Friday, so that means it's time to talk movies. Who better to do that with than Rod Gustafson from ParentPreviews.com. And uh, just a great resource we have on the show. Uh, This organization, um, they go out, they look at the movies, they watch the movies, and then they give a critique for the parents from a parent's perspective so that the kids know or the parents know if this is a movie the kids should be watching. Uh, it's such a great, wonderful resource. In fact, I used it a lot over the holidays, and I've been dying to tell you about it. Rod, welcome to the show. Hello, Matt. Thank you. So on the holidays, we watched a lot of movies, and uh, I'd, I'd go look at your preview before I would uh, rent the movie. Ah, so, well, thank you. That's you, good to you know. You saved us. You saved my family and uh, a lot of arguments and a lot of you know deplorable things they didn't have to watch. And now we are into the dark days of January, and I'm not just talking because the sun sets early in Canada. I'm talking dark (laughs) because, you know, it's interesting, Matt. Hollywood has seasons, and now you try and find a family movie in theaters. It is very, very difficult. They're really, you know, I mean, we've got The Revenant, The Hateful Eight, all of these very violent R-rated movies, and that's about what you got to pick from. So that's why I want to know more about the DVDs because there are some movies that came out on DVD that I didn't hear much about. Um, and, and I want you to run through them. Give us your take uh, because this might be a great way for families to get through the dark days, right, instead of I, making it darker. So, yes, absolutely. And I bet that a few families have a shiny new flat screen TV that they probably got for Christmas. True. And uh, you're paying off the Christmas bill, so stay home. Watch some videos. That's They're a right. lot free. Have a lot of fun. Make your own treats. And we had some good movies that came out in the kind of September, October November window last year that are now on home video. We had quite a good run. And I've got three of them this morning. 
none of these, unfortunately, are suitable for the under eight, under 10 crowd. Mm. So maybe put the little kids to bed. Yeah. But for your teenagers, you could have a lot of fun with some of these. So let's start with Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Matt, I've really been enjoying the Mission Impossible series. I think Tom Cruise is really fallen into this role very, very nicely, and he gets better with every passing movie. And um, this film is really cool because Tom does a lot of his own stunts in this movie. That scene where he's hanging on the side of the airplane and many other scenes in the film, he actually is the stunt guy. I I can imagine the insurance policy (laughs) studio had to sign on that one. But um, it it really is some some interesting stuff. And in this movie, uh, Tom is playing Ethan Hunt, of course, the main Mission Impossible character who works for this mysterious organization called the IMF. Well, the U.S. government is convinced that the bad guys who work for an organization called the Syndicate, that they really aren't real. And so they decide to roll the IMF into the CIA and give all these guys desk jobs. Well, guess what? Ethan Hunt is out in the field when this happens, and he's running from the Syndicate. So, of course, they're going to have to figure all this out. So the cool thing from a family perspective is I've noticed with each successive Mission Impossible movie, there's been less profanity and less sex. And um, this one, this one seems to follow in that trail, which is great for families. Uh, the, the downside is, of course, it's an action film. So you are going to have violence, and there is a fair amount of violence in this film. So parents, if you are concerned about that, that is still going to be here. And but that's going to continue, right? Mission, this will continue, this franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. And it's making more money as it moves along. Uh, the first ones didn't do as well. But yeah. I'm glad that people are starting to finally notice this franchise. It's really quite well done. That's great. In fact, we did just watch that one. And that, it's mind-blowing, some of the stunts. Yeah. It is, it is. And very fun, too. Uh, Cruz plays Ethan Hunt with this tongue-in-cheek sense of humor that that is really fun. Yeah. Okay, another one. Um, Ant-Man. That was a big one. And and it was a big one. Yeah. And this, of course, another Marvel Comics character that Disney has licensed. And I went into this one, Matt, thinking this is going to be really stupid. This is a story about some guy that wears an incredible shrinking suit. I was really pleasantly surprised. Again, I think what really helps in this movie is there's a tongue-in-cheek sense of humor, which is in many of the Marvel Comics uh, storylines. And, uh, and it is fun. This guy, uh, he, he is an ex-con, bit of an ex-con, just kind of a real mild ex-con, hasn't killed anybody. And he breaks into a house and he finds this suit and he puts it on and pushes a button and he becomes this very tiny little this tiny little guy the size of an ant and so that's what happens it turns out the owner of the suit was hoping this exact thing would happen he's looking for a new person to wear the suit and then of course the plot starts some rolling from there the most important part to talk about for parents again in this one uh, lots of action in this film the violence not as intense as what we'd find in Mission Impossible so maybe you could knock this one down a couple of years younger, maybe uh, eight and over for this one. And again, very little sexual content. We have some profanity, but fairly light relative to other PG-13 movies. Not a whole lot of profanity either. And it is a fun film. There is some violence in it, but, you know, like I say, not as bad as Mission Impossible. B-plus great on Ant-Man. We really enjoyed it. Good stuff. Last but not least, Maze Runner, um, The Scorch Trials. This is one I haven't seen yet, and yet it, it, I loved the first Maze Runner. 
Yeah, well, thank you. I'm glad you said that because if you're going to watch Scorch Trials, you really should watch the first Maze Runner because this is one of those uh, franchises that is really there to appeal to, to adolescents, but I think adults can really enjoy this one too. I like the Maze Runner uh, series. Um, I, I feel like there, what I like about it is there's a lot of teamwork in this film. Some of the other adolescent series that we have going on right now is all about me. It's all about one protagonist. This one's about working together. And if you watch the first Maze Runner, you know all of these young people were stuck in this thing called the Glade, this cement-walled fortress, and they've managed to escape from that, and now they're out in the outside world, and they discover that things aren't going very well. They get uh, basically kidnapped by uh, the government and put inside this research facility, but they manage to escape. And how do they escape, Matt? Through the air ducts. Oh. Yeah, the people never figure that out. You know, they always build the air ducts too big in movies. Right. You need smaller air ducts. Always remember that. <laughs> and then after they escape, they wind up in this this desolate Manhattan in this dystopian world where they meet a bunch of kind of zombie-looking humans with bad dental work. Well, eventually they find out what's going on and they get they find this organization called the Right Arm that's going to protect them and and this is a bridge movie because there's another one to come. So really, the movie doesn't really end. And as I say, you really need to watch the first one to see the second one. Mm-hmm. But it's a pretty good series. Again, absolutely no sexual content really in this one. Uh, relatively light on profanity. But again, you're going to have some violence in this film. And there is some violence more on the Mission Impossible level where you know, it, could be, it could be a bit too much for the preteen crowd. Yeah, and this is, these, the first one was so intense because it's like you're being hunted. Yes, yes, it is. And I find that they're quite, they're quite well written. And again, you know, some of these series, I think adults think, well, you know, it's a movie for kids. I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. And what's fun about the home video thing is because you only pay for the home video, this is a great opportunity to watch these movies with your kids, talk about some of the things that are happening in there and how they relate to sometimes some of these movies are, are very clever at pulling in real world examples and, uh, and how the two of them relate and that type of thing. So, and so they can go to your website, parentpreviews.com, where you have some guides and some ideas of what you could be asking your kids and talking about in each of these movies. We do. We have a button you can push on virtually every movie review that says talk to your kids and you can get some great discussion ideas on there. And that's really what opens this up and gets kids thinking about media and how media changes the way that they perceive the world for both positive and negative. Yeah, right. I love it. And, And as a parent, you're now taking charge of the dialogue instead of just allowing the the dialogue to be created by the media producers. Yeah, absolutely. And the other cool thing about home video, too, is if you've got the DVD or the Blu-ray, you can frequently look at some of the making of features and that type of thing, mm-hmm. too, which which kind of, they pull back the curtain on the machine, if you know what I yeah, mean. And, yeah. and it gives kids a, a better sense of, you know, how this is fabricated and put together. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Rod, we appreciate you. Everybody, we suggest uh, go check out the website, parentpreviews.com, and have a great uh, video Weekend, Rod, I'm sure you're going to probably throw up uh, some other movies that, uh, you know, you can report on next week. Thank you. Yes, hopefully we will have some stuff. Not, It's not looking real hopeful in theaters right now, yeah. but maybe we'll talk some more DVDs again next there week. Yeah, we will for sure. Thank you, Rod. Uh, we're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we'll be doing a quick little... Uh 
producers segment. Find out what's going on in the minds of our producers and uh, find out what their New Year's resolutions are. We've been trying to push really hard that they get some resolutions. We'll see if they're, they're going to listen to us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Thanks, folks. Good music by our uh, our great producers. You know, Joe Carson's here. Ben Wazden's with us, always. No, always. why did you guys choose this music? Because this is, this is revolution music. New Year's resolution. Music, oh, Matt. so I thought you were having a revolution. Yeah, so um, it's kind of a revolution in how we how we see our lives and how we progress through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we we realized that you know New Year's was a week ago. Yeah. Um, probably about seventy five percent of the country hasn't made their New Year's resolutions. Well, yeah. Why? I mean, because they're not going to do them. Well, I think they just need some guidance. Uh, Joe and I were here because we've we've come up with a well thought out, a, a well formulated, um, some tips on how to. Um, make New Year's resolutions and keep them and fulfill okay. them. So you guys are going to create New Year's resolutions, and then I guess those resolutions hopefully will make you better employees. Yeah, so... Yeah. Because that was my goal. Really know. kind of like making good goals and implementing them, okay. having good. the strategies yeah. to implement them. Okay, let's let's do it. Teach us. Okay, so we have a question for you real quick. Okay. Um, Let me get what, my pen. Yeah. So what, as a doctor... What are some reasons why you wouldn't set goals? Like, um, just, I, would, I would forget. Yeah. A. B. I would think that by setting the goal, that would actually supplant my need to do the goal because I've already acted on it by making a goal. So sometimes I don't need to do it because I made it. It's both action. Okay. Um, sometimes I you don't make a New Year's resolution because you're sleepy, and. Um, one time I didn't make one. Well, a lot of times I make it, don't make them because I know I'm not going to do them. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so was that the show? Very honest, yeah. Well, actually, coming clean. Uh, our first tip for you is, uh, who are you kidding? You're perfect. Hmm. There's absolutely nothing you need to change about your life. And even if there were, who cares? That's a good point. Definitely not you. Anyone who implies that you could be a better person is just insulting you to your face. Great and that's point. all there is to it. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, I, I mean, I like that a lot. Like, like you said, that was you're... really good, though, <laughs> Joe. That was good. Thank you. Yeah. Like, it seems very, very, very true. Well, I wouldn't think... you say, Joe? I mean, I would. oh, sorry, Ben. Did you want to say something? <laughs> what were you saying? I, I think uh, a tip that might be more focused towards you or uh-huh. like your situation is, like, even if you set a goal, you're not going to achieve it. Yeah. Uh, face the hard, cold facts that you will never achieve your New Year's resolutions. Um, and you kind of got to that. I think that's <laughs> that tip might apply more to you. Well, I, I okay. Joe, go on. Jo, well, Joe's. I think Joe's more eloquent. So here's our next point. Yeah. Uh, can you think of a reason why you would set a goal? I want to be the best I can be, ever. Yeah. So here's here's our piece of advice for you. Um, goals should always be about revenge. That's that's our number one tip. Uh, 
You remember Sheila from Human Resources, right? The one who brutally rejected you? (laughs) Well, the new year is a new opportunity to show her just what she's missing out on. When setting your fitness goals, just keep thinking about how good it will feel to make Sheila regret the day she turned you down. As a general rule, if your goals make someone jealous or angry, you're headed in the right direction. See, that seems wrong now, Joe. Now you're, I'm losing you because that, that seems like not the right reason to set a goal. What is the right reason? The, these are well-thought-out reasons well, and because like tips. Spent hours it, it, on because these. then you can become the best you can be. And Sheila will want you because you're great. And she'll sit there and envy. No... Envious, the goal. No, that seems like not the goal. That seems like that de- that debases this whole thing. I don't want to just have everyone envy me. I mean, like they don't, but I don't <laughs> want them to. Yeah, well, we've we've found through our um, study and through our Hold on. case studies. What study have you been doing? Really, we, we've done extensive um, study, lasting three months, three to four months. Wow. On okay, okay, not gonna okay. on test subjects on. Mice on wow, yeah, like mice New Year's resolution studies. Yeah, yeah, it's ah. it's been pretty. You'd be surprised. Intensive, totally. Um, so our, our next kind of point, our our tip, focuses on focuses around our motivation mm-hmm. with goals, and so how do you motivate yourself to complete your goals? Um, Twinkie, Twinkie, one Twinkie, one mile, two Twinkie, two mile, two mile, two Twinkie. Three mile, three Twinkie. It's very simple. Also, you could do minutes. 10 minutes, one Twinkie. 20 minutes, two Twinkie. 30 minutes, three Twinkie. That might slow your mile time down. Or? That just means you get to eat more Twinkies, That's true. That's right. It it does increase my ability to get more Twinkies. Wow. That's one way to motivate. That's That's called called the carrot and the Twinkie. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's why I'm the doctor. Yeah. Um, we, we have a couple of other um, tips along with that one. I like that one because it's... It's a Twinkie. Yeah. Um, so we also came up with... So you always want to have your goal. Like you're, you want a mental image of what you'll be afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you remember that... Keep going. Put the Twinkie down, Matt. Just keep going. Um, every goal you achieve is one step higher. You rise above your subordinates. One more tool that you can use to crush uh-huh. your enemies. A bit more leverage you use to turn the tables in your favor. If this isn't concrete enough, imagine yourself as the next hi- at your next high school reunion. <laughs> if the level of your superior, if the level of your superiority you would feel over your high school nemesis isn't enough to motivate you to fulfill your resolutions, you are a lost cause. Hmm, that I've, just I've got a tip as well. Um, you know what, guys? I'm thinking your tips are really kind of negative. They're they seem like they need to be higher, well, like better to make us a better person. Not the, these are kind of realistic, realistic competitor. tips. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Joe. So, so here's my tip. Uh, kind of in that same vein. Uh, your motive behind any action should always be fame, fortune, and glory. I mean, mm. that, that goes without saying, of course, but New Year's resolutions are no different. If your goal is to treat other people better, great. Just remember that if you aren't being praised by the masses for your kindness, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think Twinkie. Twinkie is probably the best motivation. 
mean, yeah. to each his own. I mean, I'm not saying that your ideas aren't. But I, I think the Twinkie concept funnels into these, these higher, these more I complex think, motivations. I think, I think the Twinkie is probably the purest motivation. Um, the other, your, your ideas are more impure, not to judge, but kind of fame, fortune, domination, crushing, and and looking hot. Well. I mean, those seem a little those shallow. Those pretty good to me. I mean, I mean look where I am. <laughs> I know. That's the point. I mean, that's the very point we're making right here, Ben, is look where you are. And if you want to get higher than that, you might want to find other motivations, even higher than Twinkie, just to yeah. feel good about life. Well, be- before we run out of time, we just want to give you the, these last couple of okay. um, yeah. tips on ways sure. of like strategies you can use to achieve your goals. Okay. Because I think that's where a lot of people That's where we lose them. Yeah. Right. Um the one that I find is most helpful for me is you want to work back from your big goal, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. And so one might have the goal to to steal their boss's job at work. <laughs> and to do that, you have to get your buyer you have to get your boss fired from his job. Okay. Yeah. To do that, you have to make him look incapable. Okay. To do that, you have to put him in impossible to solve moral dilemmas. Yeah. To do that, you need to make him want to help you. To uh-huh. do that, you have to make his life easier. To do that, you have to make him trust you. To do that, you need to be dependable. You're a monster! <laughs> well, that's a hard, cold so truth. is that why... If that's what it takes to Is that why goals. you perform so poorly? No, I'm... On this show? I'm on the dependable part right now. So I'm only two steps into the program, into my... Wow. Into my goal. You know, maybe what you need to do is to start small, like which ties into my tip. Okay. Uh, if you have an aversion to doing hard things, yeah. um, consider this. Set the easiest goal you can imagine. Barely alter your daily routine at all. A few examples, brush your teeth for 31 seconds instead of 30 seconds. Huh. Do one jumping jack a week. Watch more high-definition TV. Make your New Year's resolution 4K, if you know what I mean. Uh, no. Oh, yeah, 4K, 4K. video. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, you know, I think, as I think about it, um, as the doctor here, I think from here on out, I'll just do the segments on providing content. Okay, well. I mean, because I'll just, yeah, I got it. Then. It's good. Don't even worry about it. Okay, no. well, we're. Yeah, don't, no, don't even worry about we're, it. We're putting our, our tips um They'll be sold at Barnes & Nobles oh, I'm sure they um, in the next couple months if anybody wants to buy them. As a coaster for a muffin at Barnes & Noble? There's different formats for our advice, but muffin coaster is Coffee definitely mugs. one of them. Yeah. Uh, Fridge you know. magnets. Okay, well, I just want to say thanks. I want to. I can't. <laughs> but I would like to say thanks. Man, that was well. Thanks for giving us the time to yeah to no. talk on your and, show and and you guys seriously thank you for providing your service on this your last show with me. We'd like to thank you for giving us this outlet. Like yeah, you know, no, uh, I appreciate this being your last one, and it's good. It's good. Don't even worry about it. Um, don't you guys? Don't even don't you say anything. I understand. You're you're. I understand. You're good. Uh. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be visiting our good buddies, BYU Sports Nation. And um, we are looking for two new producers. If you know anybody, have them call 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We need two producers ASAP. We'll be right back 
BYU Sports Nation. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Good stuff. I'm telling you, it's Friday show. Once it's a Friday show, you know, the gloves come off. Everything, it can go any direction. Uh, we're waiting to talk to the BYU sports guys. They're uh, finishing up an interview right now. But before we go down there, did you hear about this priest? Ah, oh, poor priest, suspended by the Catholic Church after he was caught delivering his Christmas sermon while riding a hoverboard. A priest in the Philippines has reportedly been suspended for using a hoverboard during Christmas evening Mass. The Diocese of San Pablo criticized the priest, who was not named in a statement, writing that Mass is the Church's highest form of worship. Consequently, it's not a personal celebration where one can capriciously introduce something to get the attention of the people. He disrespected the Mass, right? And, not to mention that he introduced also a um, a potential explosive device into a mass or church setting. Danger. Anyway, so he's in trouble. you got to be careful. Again, we're trying to help you know what you should do, what you shouldn't do. The takeaway we should all have from that one, no hoverboards at church. Boom. Right? No hoverboards at church. Now, let's shoot it down to our good buddies at BYU uh, Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Another Hover. priest just fell off of his hoverboard. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hey, you I... got to rise up. <laughs> but can't you see it? I mean, the, the cathedrals are big. They're, they've got marble floors. That's hard on your feet. He just needed mobility, and now and they got mad at him. It happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like where you violate a rule that is almost sacrosanct, like maybe having a mustache at, no, that's on a BYU the code radio of honor show. Here at Brigham. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, oh, speaking of hair, body hair, I've got I've got to talk to you guys. I found a, a website. I need you to go look up um, because I've got you some presents. Do you guys yeah, Do right. you guys need a calendar for 2016? Oh boy. No, I have a phone. Oh boy. I got you a calendar that's called the Calend Hair. Oh. Nope. And it's good night. It's from Idaho. <laughs> good night, everybody. It's um, it's from Idaho, and it is um, a guy's back hair. Mike Wolf. Let's oh. call him the wolf. 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 Like wolf. It's too good. Like the, he's the canvas, and then Tyler Harding. He's the artist, and he he etches into Mike's back hair different images. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, guys, are you okay? And um, on the calendar, there's great stuff like there's the uh, um, Amherica flag. And um, there's there's like a really neat – there's an Easter bunny. There's a Major League Baseball logo. There's basketballs, footballs. And I just think, A, I'm getting it for you because, A, I care. B, you guys have hair. But I, I also think it'd be a really cool addition to your show on TV. I don't, I don't know that the suits on the third floor would sign off us propagating something like that <laughs> in 55 million homes nationwide. But we can look into it. Picky, 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 picky. that many people that watch? That's crazy. It's great. You got to go look it up. Just look up Mike Wolf and Calend. Cal- 
I think that that's blocked um, it's not. on campus. It's what? not. I was just looking at it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I bought six of them. Okay. And they are looking for models for the 2017 calendar. Jerem, I would buy a calendar, but I have a phone. Yeah, you do. Hey, um, I would you, buy a watch, but I have a phone. You, you guys, I, I, we've only got a little time. What's on your show? You're doing your show today, right? You're doing Steve it? Steve Young on the program today, discussing Man. everything from the BYU-Utah cancellation to Good. that uh, relationship dynamic there to why Taysom Hill and Tanner Mangum would be a good thing for BYU football together. Plus new information on the BYU-Utah series cancellation from Dave Rose. Also comments from Tom Homo last night during the men's basketball game. A triple-double, the ninth for mm, Kyle Collins. I know, nine. Hold on, what was the Terry record, Nassif. seven? The record was six. Six, he's up to the nine. The career record, which he tied last season. He then had a seventh to break the record against Belmont. Man. Was it against Belmont or earlier? And then an eighth, and now a ninth was last night. I can't even remember the second the second triple double. I can't remember who it hey, was against. Was was last was last night's game with BYU closer than it should have been? No. Okay. Sorry, closer? No, I don't know. They, I, I thought they win by thirty. They won by thirty six. Oh no, I thought. Okay, sorry. I oh, thought maybe the the women won by five. That was it. But I thought our women were killing. They are. That, and that, they beat a team that had won 12 of 13. The Santa Clara women are a really good are basketball good? team. They won that game on the road. So that, that is a good win qualified on the women's side. And BYU men, they took care of business, man. It was a blowout. And, and another triple-double. And another triple-double for Kyle Collinsworth. It's also game day for number one ranked BYU men's volleyball. Jerem Jordan and his mustache on oh. the call tonight as the Cougars, well, they look to uphold the expectations that have been lined up. Uh, are, they, are they these? Oh, BYU is going to win the national championship. Oh. They really might. <laughs> they really might. Those expectations? Those yeah. are the expectations every year for men's volleyball. I know. They're good. They're good. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, man. Well, and they it's get going to be on BYU Radio tonight, 9 Eastern. Jerem, when you, when you do like the call, play-by-play stuff, does your mustache get in the way? Does it like does it like rub on your mic? Because it's so uh, you know, thick and awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes. I heard that you have to like put things down on the papers on your table because they blow away otherwise. <laughs> Paperweights and stuff? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm just saying. Hey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's great. That's a great show. I'm proud of you. I guess Thank you don't you. want the calendar thing, huh? Well, yeah, that just sounds weird. A little, little too weird. I know we're weird. But like that's a little too bad. weird. I mean, but you know what? Let me. When you get your hands on it, then you'll like it. <laughs> it's, it's different. One of those things, an acquired taste. Uh-huh. Get it for a white elephant. Wouldn't that be funny? Oh, yes. Get it for a white elephant gift, Matt. Keep it all year. I'm gonna get it, but I'm gonna then let's put it on the desk on your desk right down there. Nah. Oh man. Again, if we get it cleared, you guys. I try. <laughs> I try. I just want to be a part of you guys, and you never let me in. Then bring sports to the table. Uh, those are sports. That's a, they've got basketballs. No. They've got a football, a great football. Oh. No. Okay. Well, I feel like no. Consuela. No. Consuela? Anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's, a refer- it's a reference to a television program. Oh, I know. Consuela. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Arrested Development. No. Nope. Steve Holt. Next time. Steve Holt. <laughs> off the air convo. Okay. Guys, Lunch have a combo. great show. Knock them dead. Thank you, sir. Thank you, and and tell Steve Young hi. Goodbye. See you, Bane.
Ah, good stuff. See, when we interview on the radio, people can't tell. There's really 12 people that I'm talking to. Everyone thinks it's just Jeremy and Spencer, but there's 12 other people. There's Bane. There's Lispy Girl. There's everybody. National Championship Jerem. National Championship Jerem, the yodeler. There's also the hernia. That's the hernia yodel. That's Spencer. He's, it's a hernia and a yodel in one quote. I think we've had Beaker on a couple of times. Yeah, Beaker's great. Beaker, it's funny because they get Steve Young. They get – they just get all these big names and we get – you know, we don't even get a real interview. We're like, uh, who have you guys got on your show today? Me, 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 me. And we got Beaker. We did have a Broadway musical star. That's true. She was awesome. And a state senator for crying out loud. Don't get me wrong. We're a big deal. And two radio producers. Pardon? Anyway, in the uh, Bad Boys segment. Uh, bad Boys, Bad Boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Here's the rule, folks. Uh, a Florida man jailed for st- uh, selling stolen gift cards, got out on bail, and again tried to sell 1,000 or more gift cards. On the show, we like to help everybody and even the criminals be better criminals. And the way I look at it, if you're going to steal gift cards and then sell them and then you're arrested, take a break. A little sabbatical. You can sell your remaining gift cards later. But James Holcomb, 27, was rearrested six days after he bailed out of jail and was charged with one count of dealing in stolen property. Holcomb and his father, Dale Holcomb, of South Daytona, Florida, were arrested after seven-month uh, sheriff's office investigation seized 10,442 gift cards. That is a lot of gift cards. How do you even find so many gift cards? He, they made them. I bet they made them. Or they robbed the gift card factory. That's a good point. Thank you. That's why I, it's my show. Correct, as usual. Oh, man, it's Friday. Hey, we're going to take uh, oh our last hero story of the week. This is a great story. You know we always like to end with a story about a hero. Many times uh, in the news, all you hear about are, you know, the dregs of society. Today, the hero. Um, a New York Police Department officer, a cop, was out Christmas shopping with his family when he he saved a life, quite frankly. Christian Campo Verde was at the was at the mall doing some Christmas shopping with his family when a man muttering that he wanted to end his own life pushed past them on the escalator. Campo Verde said he heard the man say, I want to kill myself. I'm going to jump. Campo Verde's family turned to him, gave him what he calls the Superman look. <laughs> and Campo Verde knew he had to do something. So he ran after the man just as he was headed to the third floor railing. Campo Verde grabbed the suicidal man by the waistband and said, My name is Chris. I don't know what you're going through, but I know it must be pretty bad. But trust me, it's not worth it. Officer Campo Verde then asked the man if he needed a hug. And the man said yes, and he embraced uh, Campo Verde, breaking down into tears and crying hard for several minutes. An off-duty police officer, folks. Would you have been able to do that? 
Would you have been willing to inject yourself into uh, that type of situation to hold on to somebody or to just give them a hug? That's the hero, folks. That's what we need in this world. We don't need we don't need more loud, you know, arguments. We don't need you don't need to beat someone up to be the hero. You don't need to risk your life. You can just be there. Listen, pay attention to what's going around you, on around you, and um, and offer a hand and a hug when they need it. That's why we do the show, folks. There's a lot of good out there, and you are a major part of that good. And we just got to be willing to see the good in the world. If it's out there and you don't see it, then it's not helping any of us. So please join us again next week for more of the Matt Townsend Show. Or you can go to BYURadio.org, or you can go download the BYU Radio app in Android or on um, on your iPhone. And guess what, folks? You can listen to our all of our segments anytime. That's the show. Until Monday, take care of each other. Watch out for each other's backs. We'll talk again Monday.